East-West Draftcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, everyone. Welcome to East-West Draftcast. It's Saturday, and we're going to talk some more M15. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Greg. On the chair next to me, not on the line, Jeff McDonald. Jeff McDonald, on the chair. I'm also on a chair. The chairs are very similar. They're a set. Yup. We're here to talk M15 today. We are doing the analysis. The thing you guys are all, like, dying to hear. I know. Um, Numbers. Spreadsheets. Data. Stuff. Theories and junk. It's going to be good. Uh, yeah, you guys all listen to our set review, so we won't be reviewing cards, but we will be talking about them. I mean, we're reviewing the format, essentially. We're looking at mana curves, power and toughness, you know, averages and whatnot between colors and rarities, uh, removal, synergies, all that fun stuff. And with that said, we have a whole spreadsheet dedicated to this, so if you want to follow along, go over to the East-West Draftcast episode, whatever this is, show notes. I think it's 99. I think we're at episode 99. Woo! Yay, yay. Uh, And click on the link to this spreadsheet, and you can see what we've we've been up to. Uh, There's a lot of stuff on here. Um, We might not be able to touch on all of it, which is why I want to direct everybody to the spreadsheet. Yeah. And I gotta give Greg credit for pretty much doing the entire thing. Ah, you did some work too. And in previous sets, this was basically all work that you would do. So, I owed you one. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about mana curves. Let's talk about, I don't know, how about white? (laughs) That seems like a decent place to start. First tab, top of the tab. Why you chose that. That's why I chose it. Uh, Yeah, so, so white... Let's uh, let's jump right into mana curve of the commons and uh, just looking at it, looking pretty damn low. Yeah, lots of two drops. In fact, there are six two drops, and there aren't more than three of any other card. Right, and the next most is three cost. So we're looking at a lot of cheap stuff. Two playable one drops as well. Yeah, totally. Uh- um. We should note that we have designated some cards as unplayable. Or, right. Or sideboard. Right. Um, so we will be basically ignoring the sideboard cards or the unplayables. There are some cards in the the non-unplayables that are kind of fringe-ish. As in, say, like a selfless Cathar is not for every deck. But for most aggressive decks, probably all aggressive decks. Yeah, and for that reason, we list it as playable. Right. Whereas, like, Soulmender, you could construct a scenario where that card is playable, Like, but it's such a narrow case that, you know... Probably should just never play it. Exactly. Um, and stuff that's strictly sideboard material, like Solemn Offering, I'm not willing to, you know, start main decking artifacts or enchantment removal yet, so all of those are considered unplayables as well. Um, but yeah, white here is very low cost in general Mm -hmm. and like on top of that some of the higher casting cost cards especially at common are just 
well, one of them, triplicate spirits, can be reduced in cost. Yeah. yeah, it has convoke, so it's not really a six drop. And like a couple other ones, like Tireless Missionaries, that card is almost unplayable. Like I yeah. listed as playable here, but I mean, you can always play a copy of that card. It's just not going to be good, right? Um, and Sanctified Charge isn't something you necessarily want to cast on time every fifth turn. Like everything White is trying to do with its commons is happening between turns one and four. Right, and like, a lot of the cards go really well together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, say, the fact that it has all these cheap things, um, and like a Raise the Alarm, which creates two creatures, and then their expensive card has Convoke, is incredibly synergistic and awesome. And the fact that their expensive card is probably the best common? in I mean, at least in white. The Triplicate Spirits? Yeah. For sure. Um, it, that, it's that or Raise the Alarm, because Raise the Alarm will get you to those Convoke spells. Right. Faster. And then the other expensive card, Sanctified Charge, I mean, ignoring the Missionaries, is incredibly good with all these cheap things. It's like, yeah. Just looking at white, it feels like a deck. Like, you, I mean, yeah, you're going to pair it with something else, but as long as you're drafting white cards, like, you have a plan. Yeah. I actually saw a tweet yesterday that was asking, oh, I'm going to go play M15 Limited for the first time. What archetypes should I know about? And I was just like, okay, let me, I'm, and I'm just like, I'll help this guy out. I like to, you know, talk about Limited. And so I start, you know, firing back at him like, okay, there's this deck. And like, then I noticed like halfway through my list was almost all white decks. And I'm just like, white black is a thing. White red is a thing. Like white green looks good. And it's mostly because it's like, We'll get to the converted mana costs of the other colors soon, but none of them have this many two drops that are you know worth playing. Right, and so this these white cards just mesh really well with most of the other colors in the set. Right, and I mean you look at the un so moving on to uncommons, you look at the uncommons, and like a lot of these uncommons look very controlling. So it does kind of feel like mm-hmm. the because the commons look very aggressive and the uncommons look very controlling. So it's like this weird place that the uncommons are putting the color, but I think because they're uncommons and not commons, it's just going to be a mostly aggressive color where like maybe you're doing some kind of controlish thing with white as your secondary color, not as your main color. Because, I mean, I'm looking at like Constricting Sliver, Wall of Essence, Devouring Light, Seraph of the Masses, although Devouring Light can be Yeah, you can use it on offense. Yeah. But uh, what is Paragon and New Dawns? Oh, that's that's aggressive, too. Yeah, I actually think that the aggressive options here are pretty good. They've got two more aggressive two-drops. They've got the 3-1 flyer for three. Uh, the Paragon, like you said, is good. And while Constricting a Sliver is expensive, it's like... It's fine. It's a good curve topper for an aggressive yeah. deck. Yeah. You know, un- not unconditional removal, but close to hard removal is, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so yeah, like, combining it all together... Uh, we I've done that here on the spreadsheet where you have like the commons and uncommons in a mana curve and it just yeah it's like a slow drop down or a fast drop down from two mana yep. you know up to six and seven and even the six and seven drops have convoke so yeah white right. white's an aggressive color I think right I mean yeah everything points to yes okay. um, <clears throat> now I guess we move on to blue yeah let's do it. All right, so this is a little weirder. <laughs> um, Blue does seem a little conflicted in this set. Yeah, definitely. Like, we talked about, you know, a little bit of a 
disparity between aggro and control and white. I feel like blue, that disparity is, like, much worse. Mm, like, it has yeah. cards like Welcome Turn, and then it also has cards like, I don't know, Wall of Frost at Uncommon, or Amphin Path Mage, which is, I mean, while it can be used aggressively, it's kind of a control card. Or a control barrier, or co- control, coral barrier. Right, you right. call that control barrier. Uh, yeah, like, but, like, Frost Links, Welcome Turn... Illusory Angel. These are very aggressive cards. Um, so it's kind of weird. They're in this, yeah, an odd space that is hard to figure out. And they have a six man five five uh, with trample or no? It's got trample. Oh, yeah, trample. If and if you, it's the glacial crasher, the one that if you, you have a mountain, mountain you yeah. can attack with it. Well, if there is a mountain, right? If there is a mountain on either side of the battlefield. Yeah. I mean, I. That's another one, kind of like the tireless missionaries, where in a lot of decks it's just kind of unplayable. Yeah, well, I mean, you pretty much have to be playing mountains uh, or siding it in, but uh, but it's six mana five five tramples, pretty huge in this set. Like yes, a lot of things have very small toughness, so he tramples real hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty decent finisher, I think. For I, I think blue red is probably a pretty awesome control deck, truthfully, and. Nice to be able to just like not worry about finishers at all because you're just going to pick up late crashers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, when we get to the two colors, that was one of the things I noted was that red blue does seem like a deck. Oh yeah. Um. So let's get into the uncommons as well and kind of mesh this together. Uncommons, you come with a lot of kind of controlly tempo cards. You get quickling. You get uh, dissipate. You get into the void. You get Jace's Ingenuity, Military Intelligence. Like, again, like, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to be down? Are we trying to, you know, sit back on counter spells and draw cards with Jace's Ingenuity? I think it's going to kind of depend on the deck that you're drafting, but there's, I don't know, some identity crisis here. Yeah. Um, I think blue will be a very, like, fun color to draft because there are cards that are good that you should not be taking based on what deck you're drafting. You know what I mean? It's like the the whole... Um, you know, like, I remember in Rise of the Eldrazi where there were green cards that were insane for ramp and there were green cards that were insane for tokens. And sometimes they were meshed together. But, like, but you know, you'd see, like, a sweet ramp card and it just wasn't nearly as good as... Like a Nest Invader that you'd rather have for your token deck. And so you take Nest Invader, which feels wrong because Nest Invader is fairly weak in like certain green decks, but it's really strong in the ones that like really want you to just have a massive amount of guys. So I feel like blue will be that way where you'll see like an Into the Void and think like, oh, this card is crazy powerful. But really, like you're not playing the tempo game, you're playing the long game and, and it's still okay but maybe there's a better blue card in there and maybe you'd rather just have a coral barrier right in some decks right yeah i mean one thing to take away here i think is that the curve is pretty good and it lends itself to being a good support color because it has a lot of two and three drops three mana in general is kind of the glut of the format Mm -hmm. as is often the case in you know modern magic but uh they have enough two drops i think to be relevant um in you know, most color combinations. With that said, a lot of these two drops are not turn two plays. Turn to Frog, Negate, Peel from Reality, Quickling, 
military intelligence. You could run military intelligence out there on turn two. But like, Which one is that? That's the one where it's the uncommon where if you attack with two creatures, you get to draw a card. Oh, sure. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how well blue meshes. I think it's... Uh, like, there are enough non-bows going on here, just kind of between strategies, that it's risky. And, I mean, sometimes you'll end up with the killer, you know, well-can-turn Frostlink's tempo deck, right. and sometimes you'll straddle that line between Coral Barriers and, you know illusory angels right so it's not very common that blue gets two great aggressive creatures though right so um so don't be afraid of blue if you're going aggressive like if you're trying to pair white with something but you're going super aggressive doesn't mean blue doesn't make sense blue still makes sense i think it's actually it seems better to me as an aggressive color than as a control color in this set yeah probably i mean the control cards are a little bit weaker Mm -hmm. i mean Dissipate and Jace's Ingenuity are just a little too co- high-costed to be effective. I mean... Yeah, whereas Void Snare, Turn to Frog, Into the Void, these are Encrust... Costed beautifully, yeah. Yeah, they're all costed very fairly, and they're good tempo cards. Yeah. Let's go to black. So, speaking of an overload at three mana... Um, <laughs> Black's got that going on for sure. Nothing at two. Yeah, basically nothing at two. You have Child of Night and Sign and Blood at two mana. I guess to be fair, you all hi Chelsea. You also have Typhoid Rats and Crippling Blight, um, which I mean you could count as two drops, I suppose. Sure. Um, but the other thing to note here is the Glut at five mana as well. Rob Feaster Maggot, Shadow Cloak Vampire, Flesh to Dust, Unmake the Graves. This is a bad curve. Yeah. Really bad. Um, I mean, they have the least amount of unplayables at common, which is kind of nice. Yeah, but they're both two drops. (laughs) Right. So it's deep, but truthfully, it's not deep. Like, the... Just because... Well, there are a lot of mediocre black cards here. Yeah. That we're looking at. Mind Rot, Necrobite. Zofshade. Unmake the Graves. Coming into blood, even. Like, not every deck is going to be able to play that card. Right. Um, So... Yeah, and and it's weird too because like Carrion Crow is a nice, not aggressive card, but it's works in an aggressive deck, I guess I should say. Yeah, uh, because it's you know basic flyer, um, but there's not a lot to support that kind of idea. No, it's not like you want to run Fester Gloom in your aggressive deck, right? So really, like you're playing Carrion Crow in your control deck, and it feels a lot worse when yeah. you do that. It's definitely a mid-rangey card. Right. And now, like, I don't know. I just don't see the deck coming together doing anything with this. You know what's really killing me is the fact that Gravedigger is an uncommon. <laughs> because I feel like Black got really shafted on the power level of commons, and then they took a card that's usually common and moved it to uncommon. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Feels weird. Well, let's talk about the uncommons because, like, one thing I would hope when I see you know this black common curve where there's only you know two playable two drops is like okay maybe they'll make make up for it with the uncommons. (laughs) Nope, not a single two drop. Well, there's one. The unplayable sliver. Yeah, it's leeching sliver, which is just a you know a steaming turd. (laughs) It's a two mana one one. Yeah. So and not not only that they just overload three even more it's like okay and here's a necrogen scutter a zathard slyblade stab wound and two more unplayables and wall of limbs and feast on the fallen like it's just like just give giving you all these three drops but like how the hell are you supposed to get there like 
you I think you have like the best pair for this is probably white. We'll get to that, but only because white has all those two drops. Right. And like black with any other color might just be a trap. I think it could probably work with red as a control deck. Um Okay, fair. Because like the the really crappy thing about flesh to dust with black is that like yeah, it's five mana to kill a creature, which is not a good bargain. But sometimes it's like that's okay because you have other spots on the curve for your removal, but mm-hmm. black doesn't. Um but yeah. if you pair it with something that does, red, then flush to dust becomes a much better card. Definitely. Um so like when I, I don't know, I think red makes black's cards better. Um I mean and then Nightfire Giant. <laughs> yeah. PS this card is insane. Yeah. So like I, I got a chance to play with that on Tuesday or on Monday. Yeah. It is really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> um and in that deck Flesh to Dust was very good. Like, I had two copies, and I wanted to draw it all the time because early on in the game I could just, you know, Lightning Strike, yeah. or I had an Ulcerate, too. Like, and that's that's a, that goes a long way towards shoring up Black's Weakness if you can pick one of those up early because that's just a super flexible, super powerful card. Right. But, yeah, in general, like, this mana curve is, for Black is really ugly. It's like a bunch of three drops, a bunch of five drops, and then, like, some other stuff sprinkled in, and... You know, it's going to need some help, or you're going to need to, like, kind of luck into, like, a bunch of Typhoid Rats and Child of Knights to, you know, survive to to the mid-game, where you can cast, you know, one of these spells per turn. Right. And so I was talking earlier about blue-red control and how I think it's going to be a good thing to draft. Um, The more common control deck with blue is blue-black, and I don't see it. Like... No. It's just, like, without the cheaper black removal... Like blue's gonna be screwed. We'll we'll get to that too. Yeah. We've got two color combinations coming right. up. But um but yeah, in general, like this color just seems like by far and away the worst. Yep. Yeah. Just pretty much by the fact that what we're looking at here is the worst curve I've ever seen. It's just <laughs> it's awful and I don't know. And there's no plan. Like you don't see like this obvious no. Like That's where, a with, lot of the problem. With white, you look at it and you're like, wow, like I see the deck. With black, I'm like, what what does it do? I think it wants <laughs> to be a control it. color. Like I think we talked about how blue typically is control, but in this set looks a little more tempo oriented. I think here black is really fucking confused, but at the same time, like cards like Flesh to Dust, Caustic Tar, um, even Black Cat, which we've labeled as an unplayable, like Black can just be a roadblock. Yeah, there. black just might be the the grindy, like super slow slow color, and right. that could work for some decks. So I don't know. Uh, let's get to red because red in this set. Oh boy, <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Um, yeah. So we have removal at one, two, three, and then six at common. But like, where at three? I'm looking at uh, Inferno Fist as a three-mana removal spell. Okay, fair. Heat Ray, I guess, could kind of fit that bill as well. Well, Heat Ray is uncommon. But, oh, right. Yeah, just looking at the commons, but, like, all, like, fine removal spells. So, Forge Devil, uh, some sets it would be bad. This set looks great. Yeah, it seems really good here. Um, so many one-toughness stuff. stuff. So, so Forge Devil's great. Well, obviously, Lightning Strike's great. We all know this. And uh, Inferno Fist is great, too, because, uh, well, it does double duty. It does two different things. And, like, two toughness is all over the place, too. It's one and two toughness is the base of the format. 
we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so like the removal suite is excellent, and and that's that common. You add in the uncommons, and your head explodes mm-hmm. because you get three more absurdly good removal spells. Yeah, you get Heat Ray, which can go anywhere on the curve. You get Stoke the Flames at four, which also has Convoke. And you get Kona Flame at five, which is an absolute blowout. Yeah. Like, red spells are very good. The creatures... Are fine. Are fine, but less good. And the red the red creatures want to be aggressive. Like, you look at Borderland Marauder, uh, Generator Servant, Torch Fiend, uh, Krenko's Enforcer, Goblin Rough Rider, Scrapyard Mongrel. They want to be getting in early. Like, they don't have a whole lot to close out the game late unless you're going in on, like, a Broodkeeper with a bunch of auras or a Curd Chieftain if you have any playing red-green. Right. So if you're going red for a controlling thing because you have so many removal spells, you're probably getting your creatures from a different color. Yes. Which is fine because there's plenty of that kind of stuff. And truthfully, like, a card like Generator Servant also plays double duty in that... Mm -hmm. It can be used as a control card because it also, like, or, yeah, I mean, you can call that a control card. (laughs) It's a combo card, essentially. a combo card, but in the way that, like, your red-green deck is going to be, like, red removal at the early game and then big green fatties at the end, um, and Generator Servant kind of, like, bridges the gap if you you need... And and also just plays the role of something that can trade early. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that card's fine in a control deck, uh, un- unlike say the the Borderland Marauder. Obviously, not yeah. blocking with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but that's okay. Um, but it, it, in general, red wants to be aggressive. I I I can't say that because because of so there's so much removal like. Sure, okay, that's fair. It it wants to be either. It can be either. I mean, the removal is great in, in aggressive decks, but it's gray, or maybe better in control decks, uh, although some of it goes to the face, so that leads, leans if you're, it to... If you're base red, though, if you're if red is your primary color, you want to be beat right. down. and I wanted to talk about that. Um, I think that's a little bit of a trap. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't think it's a trap because of the cards we're looking at. Because they're obviously good. Yeah. I think it's a trap because there's so many powerful red cards that the early picks of every draft, many drafters are getting into red. Yeah, the spells uh, are so good. And most people aren't uh, great at switching colors even after their very first pick. They'll pick one red card and then they're drafting red. So uh, That goes the other way too, where like... Some people will switch colors when it's completely wrong to do so. They'll open up, you know, a dragon or a cone of flame and be like, well, now i got to get into red. Yeah. And you're like, you <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to. But it's like the the power level is here, and, and some of the reds are, red rares are very good as well, to the point where it could be overdrafted. Like, simple as that. Oh, it's not could be. I mean, I I think, I think it will be commonplace to see half the table first picking red cards. And hopefully some of those people are smart enough to get out of it when they realize it's not open. But uh, but if they don't, like, base, like your deck as base red seems really rough. Because you're going to be competing with so many people 
And, like, there's a lot of good two drops in the color, but if multiple people want to go aggressive base red, mm-hmm. you're not going to get there. So, I don't know. Look at it more as being red, for sure. It's great. But think of it more as, like, this will probably be my secondary color unless I'm lucky. So, with that in mind, if, if you think a lot of people are going to be playing red, do you have an idea of what color is best against red? Because that seems relevant. If red's going to be overdrafted, if there's one strategy or color that's good against red, that seems like a color you'd want to be in. Yeah, I actually haven't thought about it. Um, Just gut, gut reaction. I, I'd probably say white. I agree. Yeah. It's, I mean, it diversifies its threats in multiple creatures and... Mm-hmm. Uh, although Cone of Flames still tells them to fuck themselves. Yeah, but I mean, how many Cone of Flames are going to be open? Yeah, not many. Right? And, I mean, Forge Devil is good against those tokens as well, but at the same time, like, white really can't just get a critical mass of those things. Yeah. So, that's something to keep in mind. Like, if, if red does end up being, you know, the color that too many people end up drafting in, you know, 75% of your drafts, then that makes white, like, a color you might want to force. Yeah. And not force, but, like, lean towards. Right. Right. And actually, uh, just really yeah, quick, go for it. there's, like, so we're not quite a green yet, but we'll find out the green's good too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but because uh, white, red, and green are the three best colors, and blue and black are the worst colors, it'll be really interesting to be in drafts with people who are, say, more experienced because those people tend to prefer the kind of blue and black type decks. Yeah. So, like, they could really be punished because uh, the, you know, FNM kid takes the sweet red and green Just cards. Just has the better cards. Yeah, and the, the like, controlly experienced player is like, well, I'm going to draft this cool blue whatever deck or black whatever deck. Yeah, but if that if those colors are underdrafted, like if you give the experienced player access to you know an underdrafted color, and they already have you know some sort of skill advantage over their table, that seems fine to me. Yeah, dis- I don't it think depends this is... on what the disparity of power level is here. Yeah, this doesn't seem like an Avacyn restored disparity where black is straight unplayable. It feels close. Really, me. I'm I... not I'm not willing to say that, especially because black has some really nice rares. Yeah. The rares can get you there, sure. But, I mean, every draft is different, and it all depends on what gets opened at the table, but I'm not willing to go there yet. I, and I do think that blue supports some of these other colors really well. It's just not a good main color. Right. Um, let's get to green. Mm-hmm. What do you think about these commons here? I think these commons are pretty sweet. Um, Elvish Mystic. Yeah. Best green common? Yeah. Like, probably the most important, right? Yeah, pretty easy. Uh, usually is. Um, although... A lot of, well, a, a decent amount of cheap removal spells to knock it off. I mean, when your opponent goes turn one Elvish Mystic and then you follow that up with a... Jesus, I just lost the name of the card. What's it do? Forge Devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that feels pretty bad. And, yeah, and there's a black removal that kills it with for one, things like that. But uh, overall, I still think it's probably the best even though it's got the one toughness well if you just look at where green you know has most of its commons it's at three and four mana yes and 
you want to get there a, tune, a turn sooner if you can. Yeah, jumping two is great because two is pretty weak here. Yeah, you get a Rune Claw Bear, Seder Wayfinder, and then Titanic Growth, which isn't actually a two drop. All right. One thing to note here is we list Undergrowth Scavenger as a playable because, you know, it's probably a passable card <laughs> if you have to, you know, jam a 22nd card into your 18 land train wreck deck, but it's not very good. And it should probably be listed as unplayable. Totally. And everything except for maybe black green. Right. But yeah, I think the point of this deck is kind of to jump the two spot and get straight to Netcaster Spiders, Invasive Species, Living Totems, Charging Rhinos. Like, you want to get a turn ahead. and Even, either, even Shaman Spring. Yeah, like, Shaman Spring. I like that card. It, on turn three, it's a lot better than on turn four. Yeah, it's a Phyrexian Rager. Yeah. Feels good. So, but, but, I mean, there's a nice spread here, and there's, they're not dead at two drop. They have two very solid cards. Yeah, fine cards. So, green commons look good. And Siege Worm being common is, like, that. that's definitely one of the, you know, litmus tests of the format. Like, right. if you can't deal with a Siege Worm on turn five, uh, you might be in trouble. Right. Yeah, I did, I, I not, yeah, I was gonna ask about what you think about trying to do some kind of multicolor shenanigans with green where so we have verdant haven which yeah. was kind of the i guess backbone of a multicolor deck in what's that was that in gate crash yes uh yeah so there was a multicolor deck it wasn't good but <laughs> it was there um and verdant haven was the reason it could happen um, and we also have Seder Wayfinder here, which digs for the other color lands and is a nice roadblock to get you to your bigger stuff. Uh, you have the Nissa's Expedition in common, but it's not yeah. good. Uh, and you have Evolving Wilds, which any deck can play. Right. And you have Evolving Wilds that, I mean, plenty of people will be taking that, not just Mr. Five Color or whatever, Four Color. But what makes you want to go more colors in this format? Well, that's... That's the question. That is a good question. Uh, some of the, like, Fool's Gold cards seem like... Yeah, Nightfire Giant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you're, like, a green-blue deck and you have a Kurt Chieftain, I could see that as well. Where right. you're just like, I'm going to s- splash for the r- getting this Hill Giant into play. Right. Well, I'm thinking so- more, like, along the lines of not, like, splashing something, but, like, a straight-up, like... Play it, many play other spells. colors. Yeah, you don't think it's a thing. I don't I, think so. I don't think I didn't think so either. But I just don't see the incentive for it. I mean, it's not like there are a bunch of like super powerful one cost cards to play. Most of like the really powerful spells are multiple are multiple colors, like Devouring Light, Flesh to Dust. It's not like there's a Doom Blade, like or you know even a really efficient you know. Yeah, I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather just stick to two colors keep keep my mana pretty good like and again like i don't mind splashing for the occasional card uh especially if i'm in green already right uh but yeah i I don't see it so with that in mind do you think the Seder wayfinder goes down in value no if only because it's still really good at like ensuring you hit land drops being a creature that can be tapped for convoke like it's essentially like an elvish mystic for siege worms for siege worms (laughs) yeah which is fine no that's really good um, and for Living Totem. Like, both of those cards are common. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you, you know, get a Living Totem out and make your Seder Finder a 2-2, two, two, 
then you have a real creature. You know, that's a real card all of a sudden. Well, and even one ones in this set are kind of real cards. Totally. You can trade that off with uh, an Oresco Swiftclaw, with a Soldier Token, like all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the card is actually pretty good, and I liked it in Theros Block. I think it's just as good here and maybe even a little bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, the color is really well balanced in the mana curve, and I guess really well balanced is probably not necessarily a good thing. I'd probably rather see more two drops. They're a little overloaded at four. Yeah. With the Primadox, uh, the Paragon, uh, the Undergrowth Scavenger we said is kind of unplayable. Shaman of Spring, Living Totem, Hunt the Weak. Like, there's a lot going on at four mana here in green. With that said, it's not like many of the other colors are really overloaded at four. They're not at all, yeah. Yeah, I mean, red has the most playable four drops, but, like, they're almost all uncommons. Yeah, and they kind of uh, fringe cards, most of them. Or, like, the Broodkeeper and uh, Paragon. Right, those are going to want specific decks. Yeah. So, green, while the curve isn't ideal, I think it's going to be a really good complement to basically any other color you pair it with. Yep. I so, agree. Similar to white. Mm-hmm. And pretty good with white, because it's Siege Worm. <laughs> yeah, well, but, and Triplicate Spirits. Like, that's, I mean, the green-white Convoke deck is just a thing. Yeah, it's super good. Um, do, do you want to talk about Artifacts and Uncommons at all? No, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, the playable stuff here, and I was really loose with what I considered playable. Um, I've got Tyrant's Machine listed here as something that you could potentially play. <laughs> Same with Brawler's Plate. Like, these cards I, are not good. I thought about playing Tyrant. So, I, I've i done one draft. Uh, that's air quotes. F- finger draft. quotes draft. <laughs> it was a three-man draft, and it was auction draft. So, it was silly. I did it with my cousins. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I definitely thought about playing Tyrant's Machine, because uh, my deck was pretty controlling. And I was like, well, I might as well, uh, you know, throw in all the control pieces since I'm you know, all late game. But then, like, looking at the cards I had, I was like, well, it's just worse than every other card, and it just didn't make sense, especially because the stuff I'm trying to tap down is all pretty small and just not worth the mana. Right. I think the the actual playables here to consider are Hot Soup, and not every deck's going to want that. No. And if you're playing against a red deck, you probably just have to side it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogue's Gloves... Only if you have, like, enough evasive dudes to make that effect matter. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to make that work. Uh, and then the creatures, Bronze Sable, Gargoyle, Sentinel, Juggernaut, Will Forge Golem, all those are super playable. I actually think every single one of those cards is pretty good in this set, including Bronze Sable. Yeah. Which, I mean, one toughness is a liability, but the fact that it can block Accursed Spirits, Krankos Enforcers, and it's just another two-drop in a set where, you know, two-drops are kind of at a premium. Totally. Like, that card is good. Uh, and then Meteorite, I think, is playable. Yeah. If not, I mean, it's not great, but it, it does things. Now, but, you, you think Juggernaut is pretty bad because there's so many walls? No, I think Juggernaut is <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> I had to face down a Juggernaut with that stupid Vigilance enchantment on it the other day, and that was just a total beating. Yes. Like, I'm getting at you with this 7-5 Yeah, no, Vigilance Jug- Juggernaut's guy. absurd. Juggernaut's very good. <laughs> But I, the thing to consider here is just, like, how you're going to slot these things into your existing decks and, and what decks need help at certain spots along the mana curve. Like, Willforge Golem is, like, helps out the top end. I think it's actually really good in red decks. Um, seems good in most decks. Yeah, it's good in every deck, uh, again. And I think Sable is, like, more important to certain decks than others. Right. Um, Ornithopter, unplayable, right? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think there's... So there's a dream to be lived with the... Turn my zero-cost thing into a 5-5 five five on turn two. We'll, we'll talk to that. Let's hold that thought. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the two-color combinations. And they're kind of just listed Wooburg order, like all the white decks first, then all the remaining blue decks, etc. Um, but let's just go down the line here. Uh, Blue-white. Looks good. Yeah, it looks fine. Or more than better than fine. It looks good. Yeah, it's uh, like the... And it's aggressive, obviously, yeah? Yes, I think it's definitely a tempo-oriented deck. I mean, there's there aren't as many good white and blue flyers in the set, it seems. Right, it's it's not really a Skies deck. It's, but it is tempo. Right. Like, you want to be playing early dudes and backing that up with bounce spells, devouring lights, you know. And I actually do think that that um, plus two plus two Vigilance Enchantment uh, is, mark, marked by honor, yeah. I don't think it's fine. I think it's good. That's I think that good. card is actually very good. Okay. I mean, um, a, a good like. Um, can you can you equate it to another card from an old from another core set? Um, is, is it as good as what was the Mark of the Vampire? Okay. I mean, Mark of the Vampire. What was that? Two core sets ago, was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. And here it's it's. I mean, yeah. You don't want to play it in all situations. Like you're not just going to run it out there on your one one in, like against an open. Like red mountain, mana. Yeah. yeah. Open <laughs> mountain plus something else. And like against black or blue, they become a little riskier because of bounce and uh, the flesh to dust. But at the same time, like plus it's, two plus two in vigilance is like, huge. It's huge. Because like, the creatures are small. Right. Um, so vigil- I think it's. Vigilance is the brutal part, I think. Like, yes. Well, obviously, like it wouldn't be any good if it didn't get plus two plus two. But, but if it gave like plus two plus two and. Even first strike would be a lot worse. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like just, just completely stopping their offense, mm-hmm. as well as increasing your clock by a lot, is really powerful. It, it's definitely one of the very swingy cards of the format where it's either like just complete garbage because they fucked you with <laughs> some kind of removal spell, or it's gonna end end the game. So it's yeah, kind of a weird one. The thing to take away from this deck is I think you, yeah, you just want to gra- draft it as aggressively as possible. You want to avoid, you know, the the coral barriers and focus more on getting two drops and uh, basically ways to power out triplicate spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the you want this to be more of a white deck than a blue deck. Right. Okay. Well, that in mind, like where, so let's pretend that we're, we're drafting this deck and we want to pick order for the best aggressive cards in these two colors. Welcome Turn, Frost Links, um, those are the blue ones. What are the, what are the red or the white ones? We got maybe Swift Claw, Raise the Alarm. I think Raise the Alarm. Uh, I mean, are we talking commons only? Yeah, I'm looking at commons. Triplicate Spirits. Yeah, Spirits. I think that's it. So, yeah, so that's definitely number one, but, like, do you take a Welkin Turn over, a, say, a Swift Claw, which is just a worse card than the Welkin turn, but because it's white, you just assume that maybe you should be taking that over the turn. It's a tough call because I think the turn is better here. It's more important to this deck's plan. Right. But if you start passing a bunch of raise the alarms, you might put the person to your left into white. Like if you're taking the frost links and I, I think that's a more interesting question is like, do you take Welkin turn over raise the alarm? Do you take frost links over it? Like, where do you want to be on that scale? Because 
Honestly, I, I think Raise the Alarm is pretty important for the deck. And furthermore, I think if you're taking a Raise the Alarm pick one, pack one, it leaves you open to drafting more strategies. Whereas if you draft a Welkin Turn or a Frostlings pick one, pick oh, one totally. pack one, yeah. like you're kind of dialing yourself into one archetype. Right. Which is a blue tempo deck. Right. Which, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the nice thing about taking a white card first, too, is that white's just way deeper than blue. Yes. And so, like, you're not going to be cut off from the cut. Well, you could be cut off from the color, but it's less likely. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you are cut off from the color, it's deep enough to where, like, you're going to get some stuff pack one, and pack two is just going to be a glut of awesome stuff. Which you know, could end up with a good deck anyway. Yeah. It definitely seems like the blue, like, tempo commons, the turn and the links, and at uncommon, like the illusory angel, these cards are very important to the deck, but I think you probably have to take the premium white cards over them. You have to take triplicate spirits, you have to take raise the alarm, and just go that way. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, like, who knows, but... No, I think you're right. It feels right. Um, Another thing that's pretty nice is that one of the six drops in blue, the kite fins, like doesn't feel very aggressive, but it's actually pretty aggressive and pretty awesome in this in this deck specifically because of the token makers. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's pretty cool that blue has like a six drop that pairs really well with this deck. It it feels like this is probably blue's home more than any other pairing. Yeah, this feels like the best pair for blue for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I think that blue white's good. Let's let's keep going. Let's get into white black, which I believe is also a very good color combination. Right. Uh, we are looking at a, a very solid curve, like plenty of two and threes, and then kind of fewer fours, fewer fives than that, fewer six plus spells, and that's kind of ideal in my mind. That's this is the kind of curve you want to see, where you have you know plenty of options at every spot along the curve, especially the early turns. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said earlier, like. White is a really good pair for black, if only because they have a ton of two drops to make up for black's lack of them. Yeah, not no two drops, yeah. So, I think the the biggest reason to be this color is what you just said, the curve. Like, it just looks nice. I don't think the cards pair extremely well together. There's not like... Like, blue and white felt like they had more of a plan than black and white. I think this is the Skies deck. Yeah, I mean, you have the Carrion Crow, a Scutter at Uncommon. Um, a Cursed Spirit at four. That's true. That's yeah. your Snapping Drake. Uh, I, I, Shadow Cloak Vampire at five, even. You know, like... Totally. There, there's a lot of evasion here, and if you can set up a shell around that, where you have, you know, a little bit of ground defense... Wall is, of Essence does a lot of work there. Wall of Essence does a lot of work here. Rot Feaster Manga does a lot of work here. Um, even Child of Night. Child of Night. Nice trade. Yeah. There's a, the other the other thing I like in this color combination is just trying to play super control and just get to a Caustic Tar. <laughs> totally. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, I mean, now that you say that, that looks pretty good, actually. Yeah, Boland had a deck like that mm-hmm. on Monday, mm-hmm. and it was good. Like, yeah. this is a, I think this is a solid color combination, and I'm wondering if the enemy color painlands should have been an indication that enemy color combinations are going to be good in this format. I guess it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we're seeing that now and that's why we do the analysis, but I think black white is solid. I'm 
don't know. This definitely feels like the Skies type of deck. It's yeah. just, we've never seen it in White Black before. Yeah, I just didn't even look for it, truthfully, when I was looking at this. Mm-hmm. It is totally there, and that's impressive. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sun Grace Pegasus, like, it's, it's all here if you want it, and I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, do we need to worry about all the stuff we said about red being possibly overdrafted? That could happen with white, too, right? White seems pretty solid. Yeah, I think it will happen with white. I think white's a little deeper than red. Uh, because the cards seem to go better in mul- in multiple different strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but will people prioritize them in that way? Like, it's easy for red to be overdrafted because people will, like, look at those spells and be like, this spell is super powerful, I want this. But how, I mean, I think at high-level play, people will realize, oh my god, raise the alarm is super important. Right. Like, if you're at your local FNM, is that going to happen? Maybe not. I don't think so. Yeah, white, not at first. White's probably the way to go in that case. So, like, if you can, if you prioritize these important, you know, two drops and basically triplicate spirits, raise the alarm, and then just kind of valuing white highly as a commodity in general, mm-hmm. I think you can really get ahead early in the format. That's where my head's at. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that that'll be similar for green as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think red red is the air quotes trap, although it's still gonna it's still going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I think maybe I think white's probably the place to be because it's the deepest and has the best. I don't know, has the best synergies with the yeah, rest of the format, right? And then and then green is also very deep, and the cards look pretty innocuous. Although there's they're pretty good. Well, speaking of red, let's get to the white red deck. Okay. It's time to beat down. Aggro! Yeah. <laughs> this is a very single-minded deck, and that's not a bad thing. No. This is... Like, if this deck is there, this might be the best deck of the format. And by might be, I mean, I think it's the best deck of the format. I think you're going to run into the problem that Gatecrash had, where because these two colors pair so well together, because they're both inherently so good, and they're probably the two most likely candidates to be overdrafted, this specific archetype could be a trap. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that they're so deep that... You can get there anyway. Yeah, you can... Even, like, a mediocre red-white deck will still be better than a good blue-black deck. That's kind of like what Gatecrash was. (laughs) Right. And I think that that's going to mirror itself here. And I think that just has to do with the way that, like, magic works these days, where tempo is kind of the king of cool. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. Like, plenty of two drops, a lot of good three drops to back it up. Even, like, the four drops here are solid. Like, some of these cards... Like, like, Broodkeeper is at its best here. Oh, yeah. Like, this is where all the good auras are. And, I mean, they're not good, but they're playable, playable auras. auras. <laughs> so, like, yeah, this is this is a real deck in my mind. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, pretty, pretty, yeah, I mean, you just, just look at, I mean, especially looking at the curve. It's like, it looks like two's curve. Up two's curve. What the hell am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like white's curve, like like the one color curve, but just like a little bit better. A little bit better. It's yeah. smoothed out. It's like yeah. oh, there are enough you know threes and fours here now, and that's the big takeaway for me is you see the four drop spot, which was a problem for white, just get totally filled out by the red cards here. You get the paragon, broodkeeper, curd chieftain, scrapyard mongrel, mongrel. Those are all quality cards, um, and because the red-white auras theme exists. Cards like uh, Heliod's Pilgrim go way up here. Like yeah. that's that's a pretty good card in this uh, 
in this combination. Uh, yeah, you can go get an Inferno Fist with that. In addition to you know the marked by honor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This, yeah. This also, good. the one drops like it's the only color with such a glut of one drops, and they're all good here. They're all great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're usually not playing Force Devil on one unless they played something on one, but like Frenzied Goblin and Cathar are actually like super good. Yeah, uh, I mean, Frenzied Goblin's in a lot of cubes for those that play cube. Uh, it's just a really powerful effect, even on a one-one. Um, Oppressive raise is really good here if you're beaten down. Yeah, just a really nice kind of tempo card. Right. Um, this seems solid. Again, like the theme here is that white and red are both good, and you know when that happens, both good and have the same plan. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. White green, kind of similar. Kind of similar. Uh, slightly different plan. Yes. Um, instead of playing as many dudes and then attacking with them, you're playing as many dudes and then putting out siege worms. <laughs> Siege Worm, Feral Incarnation, Seraph of the Masses. Exactly. Like, this is the ramp combo, and it's an interesting form of ramp. Right. It's Convoke, yeah. And it looks pretty rad. Like, I don't know. What is there to say? The the removal here is bad. Oh, for sure. Like, the white only gets Oppressive Rays at common. It gets Devouring Light at uncommon, which is good. But green really only gets pump spells and hunt the weak. And hunt the weak is pretty clunky, especially considering how small the white early drops are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, by the time you're casting hunt the weak when it's, like, going to be a surefire removal spell, you might already be winning because you have a siege worm. Right. So, with that said, like, in general, this there are a lot of creatures here, and that makes sense because it's the convoke colors, but it's not... You're going to have a hard time removing threats from your opponent. Totally. Um... And hopefully it won't matter all that much uh, as long as you're faster than your opponent. Uh, If they're faster than you, you're going to have trouble because if you're not getting out your Siege Worm until you're in Dire Straits, it's like you're going to lose. He's only one blocker. (laughs) Yeah. Do you take any common in this combination over Raise the Alarm? No. Me neither. And not, I mean, Elvish Mystic is worse. Yeah. Because Raise the Alarm is too Elvish Mystic. Yeah. Right? <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think Raise the Alarm, like, although Triplicate Spirits is the better card, the more powerful card, Raise the Alarm does seem like the like backbone of the deck, right? It's a way more important enabler. Yeah. You, you have to have that if you have no raise the alarms and like multiple triplicate spirits, your deck is just too slow. Yeah, probably. Another interesting note here: invasive species, not mm-hmm. as much of a tempo hit when you can convoke with it. Totally. This this color combination seems good. It's definitely combo ish. You need to be able to ramp into one of those convoke spells because, like I said, the spells aren't here. Like along with red green, this has the fewest playable spells. Totally, and uh, certain cards. Oh, we one card we didn't talk about um, in green, or I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the set uh, analysis, but or in the set review. But now that we've done an analysis, I feel like Ranger's Guile is almost unplayable. It seems bad. Yeah, like the removal. I mean, unless you're playing against a red deck, 
You probably don't want it. Plus one, plus one just isn't enough. Like, it's generally not going to save your creature. And the the thing about stopping removal is pretty damn weak. Like, I think that's why it's bad. I think the plus one, plus one is about as good as it's always been for one mana at instant speed. You can engineer some combats where, you know, you were going to lose a guy and now you're not. But I think the the fact that the targeted removal is generally pretty bad makes it suboptimal here. Like I, I excuse me, it's not unplayable. But it's not it's not good. It's not good. I think it's pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um I, I in general, you're probably right just because there are more important things you need to be drafting than a Ranger Skyle. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like more of a sideboard card than usual. Right. And it was already kind of that. Yeah, and another thing, uh, I mean, we also talked about the, like, five-color stuff not working out for green. I think that makes Verdant Haven close to unplayable as well. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah. There's not really that much you want to ramp into either. So, like, I think green's a little less deep than it may look because the cards we are, the reprinted cards we are seeing look fine because they've been fine in the past, but I think they're worse here. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Uh, one thing to note, one last thing on this color combination, is this is the one combo where the Fool's Gold card, the Sunblade Elf, goes from being just a stone-cold nothing to awesome. a very, very good card. Because yeah. not only is it a convoking Elvish Mystic type 1 drop, it's also a 2-2 beater for 1, it also has a sweet ability for the late game, yeah. like, it's really good here, and no other green color combination will want it. Like, you're not going to splash for this effect, it goes up way higher in value here yeah like the chances are if you're the only if you're the only white green drafter i think it's a very good chance you end up with that card in your deck yeah i think sanctified charge is maybe white red it's better but it's also pretty good here yeah sanctified charge is good in general i think i agree yeah all right done with white decks white (sighs) is good we've that's that's one thing we've learned yes let's talk about what i believe is the worst color combination in the format you're 100 percent correct (laughs) Black blue. Yeah. <laughs> this mana curve is a pile of shit. It's so bad. And that pile is firmly at three mana. Yeah. And like, oh man, the two drops, like you don't even want some of them. It's just so bad. It just doesn't have, like the plan is to be like controlling, but where are the control cards? Where are they? <laughs> They're at like way too much mana and you can't do anything like you better have like 10 typhoid rats or the deck's not gonna work yeah this deck really wants essence scatter and it's just not here yeah why not man that's a bummer for <laughs> like it's not a bummer it's just like this deck looks bad like really bad one thing we should note is that we talked about how the white black deck was kind of a skies deck here you have kind of the same thing going on where you have your kind of typical blue flyers at two drop and I guess five drop after that. Like, where's the three drop flyer or the four drop flyer? They just don't get one? No, they have the guy who wants an artifact. Okay. I mean, and I actually, I think I noted this in my notes is that because the two drops are so bad here, this is probably the combo that wants bronze stable the most. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, God, I, and fuck, if you're, skewing your picks to, like, value Bronze Sable higher just so your Aeronaut Tinkerer flies. flies, you're doing it wrong. Like, draft something else. Yeah, I mean, this might... But truthfully, this might be a decent shell for the Artifact deck. Uh, 
Not really a deck. Like, it looks like it should be blue-red because there are more cards that care about artifacts, but I think maybe it works better in this one. I don't know. Don't draft it, guys. It seems bad. It's just, yeah. There's too much too much going on at three mana that doesn't feel like a bargain there. No, Especially yeah. a common. Like, Necrogen's got her good. Frostlinks is pretty good. But, like, Witch is Familiar, Aeronaut Tinkerer... Carrion Crow, like, none of these are slightly underpowered, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about this. I think, like I said, it's the worst color combination. But, I mean, it could work. Any deck can work. Don't draft it, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Red Blue is up next. Yeah. Seems sneaky good. Yeah, I like this deck. It's it's aggressive, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tempo-oriented, for sure. Right. Um, Yeah, more, more tempo than aggressive, I guess. Uh, similar to the the white blue deck, mostly just because the creatures are worse here. Yeah, there's some pretty rad stuff happening. Um, cool synergies with like generator servant and glacial crasher, glacial crasher and mountains. Well, yes, but <laughs> al- synergy. But also, just like you can throw your crasher into a pretty aggressive deck if you have some servants, right? Totally, because a hasty five five tramples fucking awful i mean awful as in yeah uh, for your opponent <laughs> um the path mage seems pretty good here mm-hmm. making a miner's bane or a thundering giant unblockable seems fine yeah I, I think you're gonna lean pretty hard on some of the spells like especially the red burn which we've noted ad infinitum that it's yeah. excellent but also cards like turn to frog um peel from reality is pretty decent here with cards like forge devil some of the other two drops, just, you know, it's cheap things to bring back. One thing about Turn to Frog that I did notice when I played is that it turns it into a 1-1, one, one, and some sometimes, if not often, you still have to trade a creature for that 1-1. One, one. <laughs> like, most color combos have a lot of X-1s, and maybe that's all you got to block with, and you need to use your Turn to Frog to kill their thing, but you're essentially two for one in yourself because you have to trade with it. It's just like Turner Frog. I just bring that up to say that it feels worse than normal. Okay. But no, I, I understand that that actually makes a lot of sense with that said, I think you can draft and play around that to some extent. Sure. Like you can, if you know, you want to play turn to frog, you need to, you know, prioritize coral barriers, coral barriers, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the other thing is we say that this is a tempo deck or leaning towards aggressive, the cool thing about this combo is that it can switch into a controlling deck. Yes. Um, which is maybe the only color combo that can do this. Uh, so, like, if you're drafting, what, what you're trying to draft is, like, an aggressive-type style deck, and you're just not getting the aggressive blue dudes or whatever, um, or the two drops or whatever, you can just essentially switch into the plan of... Coral Barrier, Wall of Frost, right. get to my Glacial Crashers. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's going to make this color combination very difficult to draft. Because it'll be hard to tell exactly what you're supposed to be doing at any given moment. Totally. Um, but it'll also be the most fun deck. This is the one I'm looking forward to playing the most. Yeah. I'm not super stoked on it. I uh, One more thing I want to note is a kind of a lack of business at 5 mana. Sure. And I think that Will Forge Golem is going to be better than normal in this deck. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you, just to fill up that spot. Yep, just to get another like late-game fatty. Yeah. Uh, Blue-green? Blue-green. Seems good. Yeah. 
uh, seems not as good as pairing it with any other color but black, maybe. <laughs> but You mean blue as a color? I'm saying green, sorry. Oh, green, okay. Green green with blue, or green with white and green with red seems much better than green with blue. Fair. But, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but those are the two better colors, so sure, <laughs> no surprise, I guess. Um, so this deck will be easier to draft because there will be less competition for it. Right, yeah, totally. And uh, it does feel good. It feel like, I mean, the car- card like Coral Barrier gets out your Convoke stuff earlier. Right. It's like a raise the alarm that you don't have to first pick. Right. The tricks here, the turn to frog, into the void, void snare, gather courage, those all have to go up in value here because there's no removal. There's right. encrust and hunt the weak. Yeah. Turn frog. Yeah. It's at its best here. Like the Absolutely. Creatures, the creatures are biggest. Mm-hmm. My voice kind of cracked there a little bit. <laughs> this is also the home of, like, bounce your own stuff dot deck. Yeah. Invasive Species, Quickling, uh, Peel from Reality, and... Primadox. Some, yeah, and Primadox. With some good ETB creatures, you get fr- uh, Frost you get Coral Barrier, you get Shaman of Spring, you get Living Totem. So, there's synergy there, and if you can abuse that... That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Like, yeah. not, not only they like good, that'll be fun. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to drafting this deck. This is the one that I'm excited about. Yeah, this does look a lot of fun. I mean, you could even... Yeah, I don't know. There's you could even like get value off wayfinders and stuff like that. Yep. Don't um, want to mill yourself out. No, not too many. Don't bounce your wayfinder too often. <laughs> just just once, maybe. Uh, maybe twice. But there's some cool stuff happening here. Totally. Do you, um, do you take any common in this color combination over Elvish Mystic? No. Not Frostlinks. Not Welkin Turn. No. Okay. I think that's important to note. Yeah. I mean. I think that'll be true for green... Everything except green-white? And, and green-red. Okay, yeah, are, sure. Lightning Strike, you can yeah, take over Elvish Mystic. They're more important, just burn spells, than Elvish Mystic. But but yeah, for green-black, green-blue, definitely uh, the Mystic is going to be... Top common. Top common. Okay. That's cool. Uh, anything else you want to say about this combo? No. I think... I can't remember if it was this one where I really liked it, but... The sideboard material here is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You get negate, you get uh, naturalized plummet. Like the the removal is bad, but you're gonna be pretty flexible out of the board. Mm-hmm. I think so. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, black red. The curve is ugly. Yes. Again. Uh, and you're with black red. You probably don't want a few of those red two drops. Which makes it even worse. I think you play them just because you have to have to play two drops, and that's okay. Like if you're playing Torch Fiends and Generator Servants, not Bloodseeker though. E- yeah, the Altac Bloodseeker seems. I don't know. I mean, it's just like a Torch Fiend. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I actually think Borderland Marauder. Or maybe I'm confusing my cards here. Which one? Oh, that's this the, is the, the Bur- Marauder is the the three two the three two yeah yeah and that card's pretty bad here yeah because this is a controlling shell right like you want to lean on your spells here a lot you want to lean on all the removal that you have to basically get up to a point where you know uh, a Zoth Shade an Accursed Spirit or preferably a Nightfire Giant can ah. just like close out the game for you totally um, and like there's a 
lot of cool, uh, expensive stuff in black Mm -hmm. that pretty much any other color can't take as good advantage of as this combination, I think. Like which cards? Like, uh, the Covenant of Blood, Caustic Tar, um, even the, like, Shadow Cloak Vampire. I think those are also good in the white-black deck, as discussed previously. Yeah. But, yes, I think this is the other combo where Caustic Tar is playable. Yes. And Covenant of Blood, again, just because you're going to be all in on, like, as many removal spells as you can get, mm-hmm. Covenant of Blood's going to be fine. Yep. It will be harder to convoke here than it was in white, though. I think that's something to sure. be a little wary of. Sure. But you have, like, yeah, I, I just feel like you have the, the early removal covered with red, and then the late, more powerful removal in black to have the full suite of, like, just, I can deal with whatever you do, and I'll play my big crappy creature that'll get there. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. Like, that's that's a, that's a game plan. Right. Uh, Fester Gloom, want to talk about this real quick. I think this card is actually main deckable in most black decks. This is not really one of them. Red mm-hmm. has a few too many one-toughness dudes. Uh, totally. All those two drops we talked about, Forest Devil Frenzy Goblin, uh, Rummaging Goblin. I mean, you'll still board it in in some of your black-red decks, but it's not... Don't I mean, mean it. Yeah, I think it's much better in black-green, black-blue, uh, even... Actually, even like black-white, I think it might be better. Right. Just because white can recover from, you know, so, the so loss of resources easier. Here's a good question. Okay. If you open a pack and Nightfire Giant is the obvious first pick, are you looking to draft black-red or are you looking to splash the giant? Um, yeah, I'd be looking to draft black-red. Okay. Yeah. So at least it's not that bad. <laughs> no, I actually think this color combination's good. It's just... Typically, when we see this, we think beatdown. Yes. And, and, that, and here, it's not. It's it's a controlling combination and a grindy combination. Right. For that matter, or, or for that like reason, I think that Black Cat might be better here than normal. Yeah. Like, it might be playable in this combo, just as another, like, early. dude to, yeah, block something early, make them discard a card, like, anything. Like, make them discard a land. Just try to, like... Grind them out. Yeah, yeah. grind them out. Card advantage them out, essentially. Uh, but... Yeah. And uh, also, I think Gravedigger's pretty good here. Gravedigger's very good here. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a good card everywhere, but um, it does feel a little more important here because rebuying the, uh, like, important creatures, because you're not going to have a lot of them, right. is going to be go a long way, I think. You're going to be playing so many spells that you need some way to recoup creatures, and yeah. that is a good way to do it. There's Unmake the Graves, which is... A less exciting version, like a lot less exciting. Much rather have a body on in the battlefield for that effect. Yeah, uh, blast fire bolt, real quick. Probably unplayable here. Yeah, too expensive. I mean, you just you'd have rather, better stuff at black. You'd rather have a, a flesh of dust or even a covenant of blood. I think. Yes, like for the life gain. Uh, black green. I don't like it. <laughs> Ryan drafted a self mill deck on Monday. Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> and it seemed okay fun. Oh, for sure. But, you know, you're playing a lot so of... So you have two self-mill cards. Yes. And that's it. Yes. But if you're rebuying They're the Seder Wayfinder... probably late picks in a draft, though. Right. You can get them pretty easily. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is what are you going to do... 
With all those cards in your with graveyard? With the cards in the yard. Like, Rot Feaster Maggot is the easiest way to gain, like, a little bit of value, because it's already a fair card, 3-5 five for 5. You can gain some life off of it. Or if you get an Endless Obedience, you can go that route. With that said, this just kind of seems like a bad mid-range slash control combo. Right. We talked about earlier how maybe the enemy pain lands meant that enemy color pairs are good. I don't think this one's good. <laughs> no. This is definitely the one that feels the weakest. All the other enemy pairs feel good, but I don't want to draft this. Uh, and I think a big reason for that is that not only do you, like, you're just kind of like mid-rangey blah, but usually black-green decks have good removal, or at least black has good removal, <laughs> but it doesn't in this set. No. So, like, you're looking at what feels like a really bad blue-green deck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and blue-green is usually not good, a good, good pairing in most draft formats, mm-hmm. and this feels like the blue-green deck in most draft formats. Yeah, there's just like... You just don't get to interact nearly as much as you want to be doing, and your cards are just not built to pair all that well together. Yeah, and the mana curve is pretty bad. Like, there's a real glut at four. Yeah. I can see it working. This is another combination where I think if you, like, end up with two or maybe three Elvish Mystics, which is an ambitious goal, I should say. (laughs) But wouldn't you just rather be in, like, a better color combo with that many Elvish Mystics? Wouldn't you just rather be green-red? Totally. But, I mean, what if the draft doesn't break that way? Like, what if it's, like, you first pick an Elvish Mystic... Like, then you see, like... Or you first pick, like, a black rare, like, the 5-3 demon. And then it's, like, second pick Elvish Mystic. Third pick, you know, maybe just Flesh to Dust is the best card. And, like, I could see myself... You can, you you can, can end up in this deck? Exactly. I don't think you want to be in this deck, though. No, I'm, I'm, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, like, there there is a good version of this deck, I think. It's just going to be hard to draft because it leans really hard on certain cards. Namely the Mystic and some of the uncommons and rares like you're gonna need like of something of extra power level like like a, a even an ulcery mm-hmm. super efficient but like one of the reasons we're saying black is not very good is because the black removal is not as good as it typically has been in sets prior mm-hmm. so if you can pick up a crippling blight early and you know back yeah. that up with some other stuff like this gets a lot better a lot faster I mean, what? So, what else would you want if this was your color combination? I think this is the color where Fester Gloom is at its best. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, Even though it kills your Elvish Mystics, <laughs> let's ignore that. Um, yeah, I think that that's it's fine in this color combo. But uh, but I was gonna say you you mentioned the pick order where you start with a demon, go into a Mystic, and then get a, a Flesh to Dust. I think if pick four was Mystic versus Lightning Strike, I'd still take the Lightning Strike. That's, yeah, no, totally understandable. And just be like, I understand that starting with two Mystics is absurd, but I just don't want to be green-black. Yeah, well, let me let me put it this way. We've talked about how white and red are the best color common, or the best colors, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's pretty obvious. If you end up, like, starting off with a solid black start, like a black rare quality removal spell like maybe even that third pick is a is an ulcerate like which is even better i think than oh definitely the flesh to dust right there's a chance that, that you might just get kind of cut off in white and red mm-hmm. and do you want to pair those that the 
good black start you have with blue. Blue? No, <laughs> no definitely not. You want to pair it with. Yeah, you have to pair it with green. Right. I I do think that it. You're right. Black, red, black, white are probably better than this. Mm-hmm. But you can't always draft the deck you want to draft. Fair. Yeah. So uh, knowing how to draft the black green deck, I think is if you can do that. Fuck it, you you've you figured out the format, you know. There like, you go. I mean, that's that's good. Like, if you have that, you know, bullet in your gun, like you don't, you don't want to have to shoot it very often, but sometimes you have to, and you're like, all right, here I go, Elvish Mystic. What do I need next? A Walla Mulch. That's better here than in most other color combinations. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, but overall, clunky. Yeah, I uh, I noticed that you have restock on there as. Sitting in playable. Only color combination I listed is playable. So, I was about to say this. I think you're wrong. I mean, not that I think it's not playable here. I think it is. I think it's also playable in red-green. Just because okay. there's so many cheap red burn spells. Okay, that's fair. I like that. Yeah. Because, well, I actually played with it <laughs> with red in red-green, and it was pretty good. Well, I had three lightning strikes, so <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> But uh, results oriented, yeah, maybe it is. It is results oriented for sure. But I think it's not unplayable in that. It's totally. not a good card. I think it's at its best here. But you're right. It's probably pretty good in red, just because the spells are good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, black green. Try to avoid it. Uh, last color combination is the the red green deck. Yep. And you know the mana curve doesn't look all that different than the black green deck. Uh, you got a lot more twos. You have more twos. That's the big difference. Yeah. The fours are about the same. Yeah, you you're just moving the fives to the two, which feels a lot better. It's way better. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because one of those twos, the generator servant, will get you it's up to absurd, four, yeah. five. Like it's like having a, another copy of Elvish, Elvish Mystic. Yeah. Like generator servant's a real card. That card is good. Yes. Very, very good. Yeah, I mean generator servants. The, the, when I originally read it, I read it as, like, you have to spend that two mana on a creature. You don't even have to do that. Nope. It's just two mana. Straight to your just, cone of flame. Yeah. It's just bonus if you hit a creature. So, like, that card's great. That's mm-hmm. one of the best goblin pikers they've ever printed, I think. Yeah. It might be... It might be the best. There's, like, young pyromancer. Oh, I'm talking is. about commons. Commons. Yeah. I think, I think it is the best. It's probably the best goblin. That's pretty incredible. I didn't think about that until right now. Blown blow my mind. It's really good, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, this deck looks pretty rad. Uh, Three playable one-drops again? Yep. Like the white-green deck? Exactly. Um, yeah, you're probably not playing Crowd's Favor in this deck. I think this is a deck where it's playable. I think I'd rather play I think it's all better the than, green ones. Not all of them. Better than Ranger's Guy. better than Ranger's Guy. But I just said I said earlier that I think that card's unplayable. Um, but yeah, Gather Courage and Titanic Growth I think are both better than Crowd's Favor. Fair. Which, you know, you probably don't want a ton of pump spells in your deck, so I don't know. Right, but I mean, as a late a late pick, Crowd's Favor could get there. And th- again, it's like, if red is good and red is kind of overdrafted, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I could see that card being something that makes the deck every once in a while, because it's fine. Right. Uh but I mean, what's what's the plan here? Because this is, these are all ground pounders, right? There's virtually no evasion here. Cranko's Enforcer is your only real option. Yeah, and that's that's not really the way you want to go. I mean, Cranko's Enforcer doesn't really fit the strategy. I don't think. I think what you're doing here is you're shoring up the ground early, 
getting in. It's it's basically the the mid range deck, right? Yes. It's just like you're, you're playing early stuff to get in a little bit of damage, and then you're playing bigger stuff than they have. You're just leveraging larger creatures. Yeah. And to do that, I think you need pump spells. You need removal spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be fair, again, tied with the white-green deck before, this color combination features the fewest playable non-creature spells. So you have to prioritize those. Yeah. Lightning Strike. Yeah, I mean, all of the red removal, or not all of it, but most of it is going to be higher than probably any green card. Yes. Except maybe the Mystic. I mean, Lightning Strike's better than Mystic. Um I think you take all the uncommons all over the Mystic. All the uncommons over Mystic, but the others... Inferno Fist, I'd probably take Mystic over yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But the pump spells, too. And then, again, if you're missing out on the Lightning Strike because everybody's first picking those, like Titanic Growth, Gather Courage. Yep. These are cards you want. Yes. And because the creatures will be there. There are plenty of like pretty good creatures here. Uh, even if you miss out on a Mystic, like again, Generator Servant does a decent enough impression. Uh-huh. Uh... And you can always just convoke out Siege Worms and Feral Incarnations with your multitude of two and three drops. What do you think of the Curd Chieftain? Excellent. Yeah. Very, very good. Right. Just as good as Nightfire Giant. Yeah. So, that's a good reason to be red-green. Yeah, overall, I think this is going to be, like, maybe the most boring strategy. But Super the boring. easiest to draft and... Just just draft a good curve, and I think you got this deck. Right, because it's like the color with the best spells and the color with the best creatures. Right. It feels, yeah, it feels like a pretty good, uh, just, I guess, like, deck to beat of the format. Like, if your deck can't beat just, like, a straight-up, just regular old mid-range red-green deck, you got a real bad deck. And this this feels like the 2-1 every time kind of deck. <laughs> yes. And so... So what would you say the 3-0 feeling type? Like, if you get the ideal... The white-red deck. White-red, white-green. Probably white-red, and white-green's probably second best. Yeah. Yeah. So... They're your three best colors, right? Yeah. White, red, and green. Yep. I do think that... Just kind of the general structure of this deck is going to be as many good removal spells and tricks that you can get... Mm-hmm. A little bit of ramp. Yeah. And then then just, like, as good of a mana curve as you can come up with after that. Right. Because, again, your your things are generally going to be bigger than theirs. And if you can power them out a turn early with an Elvish Mystic or a Generator Servant, that's great. But you don't necessarily want to overload on the Mystic and the Servant because that means you're either not getting enough tricks or removal or you're not getting, you know, the impact creatures, the big dudes right. that matter. It's really nice to not have to rely on Hunt the Weak as well. Yes. Which is a card that a lot of the green decks kind of have to rely on, and it's really not very good because it's too expensive. That's a great point. Um, so it's nice to just kind of ignore that card for this deck. I think that Lava Axe is probably at its best in this deck. Interesting. Maybe White Red would be better, but at the same time, like White seems like such White Red seems like such a swarming strategy that to like punch through that last five damage could be pretty easy to do because you've diversified your threats so much. Here it seems like you're going to be going more all in on just two or three large dudes and if and like if, if through blockers and removal they kind of put you to a standstill 
something like Lava Axe could be pretty important to, you know, close out a game. And you could ramp into it with Mystic. Turn four Lava Axe, you! Boom! In the face! <laughs> I think Overwhelm was also good here. Yeah. Not I, as good uh, as in the white-green deck. I'll never call that card good. Okay. It's pl- it's better than it can be. Right. Better than uh, in, like, green-black or green-blue, I think. I think it's probably unplayable in those two-color combos. Right. But, yeah. All right, so that does it for the two-color combinations. You want to talk about the power and toughness breakdown? No. All right, moving on. (laughs) No, yeah, we do. Uh, Yeah, so power and toughness breakdown. This is the fun stats portion of the podcast. And the goal here is kind of to have an idea of what, you know, what's the quote-unquote magic number. Mm -hmm. Like what power is important, what toughness is important, and more from like a playing against standpoint. Right. One of the ways that manifests itself is when I look at a card like Triplicate Spirits, I don't think of that as a 3-3 or a 2-2 and a 1-1. Like, I look at that as one toughness, one power creatures. Yes. Even though it makes three of them. Because what I want to know as a drafter is how do I beat the format? How do I solve the format? And in the case of M15, that means a lot of the time being able to deal with 1-1 dudes. And possibly a a lot of 1-1 dudes. Mm -hmm. So I know that a card like Fester Gloom, while it may not be main deckable is a very powerful sideboard card. Yeah, or well, that, it might be main deckable. And it, yeah, it might be. I think it's... I think the one toughness is at, is so important that... I mean, depending on your black deck, if you're white-black, maybe not. Sure. But that kind of thing. Cone yeah. of Flame is a blowout. Like, it was already... We knew it was a good card, but it's probably the best uncommon here because yeah. it can just ice three creatures yep. pretty easily. And so what we've done here is we've taken all the playable cards. Again, we were pretty liberal with what we consider playable. Right. Like, Feral, or, or not Feral, what's the green card that searches, or that looks for cards in graveyards? Undergrowth Scavenger. Yeah, there you go. Like, I consider that a playable card. Because yeah. some decks could run it, you right. know? And what's the average case? I think I called it a 2-2. But, again, like, looking at all this stuff... Uh, at common, at uncommon, rare slash mythic, total, uh, commons plus uncommons. This, the spreadsheet here is going to be pretty valuable if you want to actually see this data. Um, yeah, and a lot of the cards that you called playable that are borderline are actually bigger. The bigger cards, right? The yes. st- stuff, the, like the three fives of the format and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So like that even skews it higher than how it's really going to feel. Right, like Glacial Crasher is listed as a playable, but yeah, and like how jumps ma- up blues. Yeah, blues power and toughness at common and across the board comes up because that five five is sitting there at common. But let's talk about the set as a whole first. Co- at common, average power two point two eight, average toughness two point two seven. Yeah, that's pretty pretty low. I mean, usually it doesn't get to to three, but usually it's higher than. It's closer like, to two point five. Right, exactly. And what, another interesting note here is that the power is just slightly ahead of toughness, mm-hmm. and typically it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Typically creatures have bigger butts. So that tells me that the common creatures in this format are fragile. Right. That they're easy to kill. Um, if we look at uncommon, you will see that trend. Like 2.34 average power, 2.56 average toughness. Mm-hmm. So the butts get bigger as you go up the, the rarity scale there. You know, I was just thinking, like, so they didn't print Doomblade 
because, well, because it's really efficient or whatever. But but I'm thinking like so all of the the common stuff is is smaller, easier to kill. So wouldn't a card like Doomblade be slightly worse in the format? I mean, it wouldn't be bad, but so like, wouldn't it be less dangerous to print it than giving a five mana kill spell that is just seems so much worse because I don't think everything's so. so easy to kill. No, I don't think so, and here's why. Because the creatures are more fragile, it'll be easier just to know, you know, trade them off and deal with them with like more fringe playable style cards. Okay. So you can save your Doomblade for the one thing that really matters. That Whereas sense. in this format, you have to do that with Flesh of Dust. You have to make it to five mana and spend five mana to deal with an important threat. Right. Okay. Um, that's. I mean, that's my thought. Yeah, that's fair. So if we look at the overall. Like, we're not going to do rares and mythics on their own, because that doesn't really matter. Like, that doesn't tell us much about the format. But total, all creatures in the set. Average power, 2.70. Average toughness, 2.72. That's pretty small. Yeah, if you're yeah throwing in the uncommons and the rares, they tend to be bigger cards. Yes. Uh, and we haven't jumped up that high. Yeah. Like, like this, this could sometimes be, like, the common average in some sets. Yeah. And... Also of note is that, like, if that's, on average, what the power and toughness are, to me that tells me that three toughness or better is going to be really going to be good. Yeah. Like, anything with three toughness or more is... Midnight Guard! <laughs> you scared me, too. I think Jeff just saw me jump a little bit. Um, I just got excited all the yeah. time. Midnight Guard, Invasive Species, uh, Witches Familiar, the 2-3 for... Three in black, mm -hmm. Aeronaut Tinkerer, even if it's not flying. Like, these cards are going to be good. Right. And that's kind of sad. Sad, but I think can lead to a very fun format if... I don't know. Like, uh, when a card like Coral Barrier mm -hmm. is probably just good because yeah. it's got the three butt. Powers like, up Convoke. Yeah, that sounds like a fun format to me when you can play cards like that that let you like because because it feel when everything's really small it feels really scary to play a controlling type deck yeah because you could just get overwhelmed right but when you have cards like coral i mean coral barrier goes a really long way to like stabilizing on turn three which is really hard for the blue decks to usually do mm -hmm. so hard for control decks in general to do right and so it's it's really nice that there are these cards or or even like well, probably not Midnight Guard, because that color's too aggressive for that to matter, but... What it tells me is that the format is, is a mid-range format. It's not too aggressive. It's, like, control's going to be a little risky because of what you said. Like, a lot of small stuff means that sometimes, even if you do make, like, a somewhat stabilizing play, if they have a removal spell, you might just be boned. Like, they might just overwhelm you. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, most games are going to get into the mid-game. But they're going to end pretty quickly after that because yeah. someone is going to be able to assert themselves on the board or through their spells. Right. There's there's a lot of like just single spells that will just end the game, like Cone of Flame or even like the white pump your dudes plus two plus one. I forget it. Oh yeah, Sanct sanctified charge. Yeah, sanctified charge. Like there there are quite a few of these at like the mid range spot that will just end the game so yeah once you get to that spot hopefully you're the guy with the card 
that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we isolate just the commons and uncommons and look at the average power, 2.31, average toughness, 2.4. That, extremely low. That feels low, but it does seem... A little more... Well, you're getting a lot, a lot more butt at your uncommon. Right. And that's... Uh, yeah, again, I think that speaks to kind of where the power... The power level in this set is going to be in... Having a higher toughness. Higher toughness and creatures that are harder to deal with, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the removal is, like, basically isolated in red and at black at five mana. Right. Um, the other thing to note is that, like, three toughness is kind of the the magic number for stopping aggression. Yes. Four toughness is the magic number for having your guy just live. Because yeah. removal just won't touch it. Well, I mean, we can see how many creatures actually have... Uh, four power or four toughness or more. Thir- Thirteen at common and uncommon. Okay, yeah. Um, but a lot of those are going to be just straight up walls, so they're not going to be able to like trade. We're talking about Wall of Frost. We're talking about uh, Glacial Crasher, which again isn't playable everywhere. Like, so it's probably more like seven to ten cards that have four toughness or more. Yeah, at common and uncommon. Yeah. Whereas there are 25 cards with one toughness mm-hmm. at uncommon and common. <laughs> 25 with two. Yeah. That's a lot. That's 50 creatures. If you could do the math, it's pretty hard math. Yeah. There, <laughs> there are 123 total instances of playable creatures, and 29 of them have one toughness. So and that's including rares and mythics. That's twenty three point six percent, which is sounds really high. It's like a quarter of the format has one toughness. Yeah, super high. Yeah. So crippling blight, fester gloom, forge devil, main deck, main deckable. I think. Yeah. Because I mean, at common and uncommon, that percentage jumps up to almost twenty eight percent with totally. one toughness. Like mm-hmm. that's almost. Like, you're, creepy, you're over a quarter of the cards creeping towards a third of the creatures are just tiny. Right. And that matters. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so uh, that increases the value of, like we were talking about, things with four toughness or higher. Um, just thinking of actual cards, uh, I mean, we've mentioned it a few times, Siege Worm. Big deal. Seems absurd. Like, just... Because especially because you can power it out on turn five, hopefully, and then when that happens, like you're especially because it has like kind of a pseudo evasion, they can't just chump it forever. Uh, it feels really hard to lose after that, as long as the game is stable at that point. Mm-hmm. Like a siege worm will just take it home most times, especially with the pump spells. Like, yeah, double blocking becomes really risky. Yeah. We, we talked about a lot how Elvish Mystic was probably the most important green common. Are we underrating Siege Worm? Do you think maybe that that's actually the pick because it has Convoke and it makes any of your creatures into an Elvish Mystic? I think it's probably the pick in white-green. I don't know if it's the pick in green in general. Okay. I think it might be. It might, it I might mean, be. in some cases. It might be like, once you get the first copy of Siege Worm, then you can start taking Elvish Mystics instead. Yeah. Or maybe the other way around. You don't around. want to not end up with a Siege Worm. Definitely. That'd be a bummer. Right. But you I feel can... the same way about Elvish Mystic. Right. I think you want one of each, but like if if it's pick one, pack one, and like you're looking at 
let's just arbitrarily say you're looking at a pack of blanks except for an Elvish Mystic and a Siege Worm. Right now, which one do you take first? Well, first I get really bummed because I know the guy to my left's taking the other. <laughs> True. And then I guess I... I guess I take the Mystic. I'm I, talking myself into the Siege Worm. Okay. I might take the Siege Worm there. Okay. Beca- I, it be- feels like they're more... Because you could go more directions with the the Mystic. I mean, it's good in every single green deck. I I guess the Siege Worm's good in every single green deck, but like... Some to- in some green decks, the bad ones, it's going to cost 7 mana or 6 mana. It's a weird catch-22 where, like, the Mystic is good with any other cards. Mm-hmm. The Siege Worm makes all of your other early cards better. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> like, I don't know which of those, like, and I, the sh- funny thing I should is, value higher. Together, they have, like... Uh, anti-synergy, right? Yeah, it's a non-bow, for yeah. sure. You, it turns your Elvish Mystic into a Merfolk of the Pearl Trident, or whatever. And green doesn't get one mana one once. But... I mean, it's still an Elvish Mystic. Like, it still does no, the same I know. thing. I'm just saying, if you're casting it with the Mystic, it's it's funny. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's there's definitely a, uh, a decent discussion to be had, and probably going to just flat out be obvious in the coming weeks. I hope so. Uh, I hope I figure that out soon. <laughs> I think it will be. I th- I think once you play with, it it more has to do with like how like a five five trample seems really good. It depends on how good it actually is. If it's like bomb level good, it's probably the the siege worm. And that's kind of what I'm thinking is that it does seem so powerful. Like again, we're talking about the average powers, average toughnesses of the creatures in this format. If that five five is really that important then that's, that might just be the pick. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Could be. Also, I mean, we're talking about Siege Worm over and over for 5-5 Trample. There is one in blue. Right. Which is crazy. The fact that we're talking about how good it is, and you're getting one in blue. Obviously, pretty much blue-red. But, uh, that's really good mm-hmm. for, for that color. That usually doesn't get that kind of quality of card at that mana cost. Yeah. So let's kind of look at the colors individually here, um, and just the power and toughness there. We, we won't spend too long on this, Chelsea. Um, white is tiny. Yeah, real small. Average power and toughness both under two, and that's the only color where that's the case. Yeah, well, I mean, the, it's two best commons produce one ones. Yes. So, I mean, that is, there's your grain of salt, is that if you're thinking about raise the alarm on your side as an offensive card... It's kind of a 2-2. It's kind of two one ones. Like, triplicate spirits could be three one ones. It could be a 2-2 and a 1-1. It could be a 3-3. Like, right. It's going to beat down like it's a 3-3. And it's going to... Yeah. It's going to play like it's three one ones. It's an awesome card. They're very good. So, but, but I counted them as one toughness, one power. Yeah. As you should. Because we're not looking about... We're not talking about power level of a single card. We're talking about what... Yeah, what creatures are going to be out there. So that definitely brings down the the power of the and toughness of yeah. the commons here. Uh, after that, in Uncommon and Rare Mythic, they jump back up. Right. Um, but overall, the white has the smallest creatures. Um, for commons and uncommons, the average power is still under two. Yeah. Which is very, very small. Mm-hmm. So which means either you want to be evasive, 
Or you want to be powering out something. You want to be convoking. Right. Or you want to be sanctified charging. Yeah, super sw- super swarm mode. Yeah. And as you're drafting, you need to figure out what line you're taking. I mean, truthfully, if you're convoking, you can also be sanctified charging. Like, And that's nice. Yeah. You, you have two different kind of strategies that work well together. Mm-hmm. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> but that's, that's again, why you have to look at triplicate spirits and raise the alarm as the clear first picks in light. Yes. Like, you're not taking Sanctified Charge or Seraph of the Masses over no. either of those cards. No. Because you need those other cards to make those... You're probably not taking a lot of the uncommons, even. True. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even Constricting Sliver might not be as important as raise the alarm. No, it's pretty pricey. And you want your pricey stuff to have Convoke and White. Yep. Uh, blue is up next. The, this had a couple weird ones to count, like Coral Barrier. I counted as two instances of a one. Mm-hmm. And uh, one instance of a three. So toughness, three, and one. Power, just one instance of one. Like, it produces two one power guys, but it produces a three toughness dude and a one toughness dude. Right. Um, one of the rares, Chasm Skulker. Someone that grows every time you draw a card. Right. I counted that as a 3-3. Three, three. Seems fair. And the clone, I counted as a 3-3. Three, three, as kind of like a... Maybe 2-2 two, two is more correct. So, <laughs> you might want to count the clone as unplayable. <laughs> uh, because everything's so tiny, and, you know, when you're when you're tapping five mana... You're copying something that's probably costs less than five mana. Has to be your own thing too. So it has to be something right. in your deck, right? And mo- and it just feels like you're probably going to turn it into like a frost links or something, which could be a which could be fine at five mana depending on what you're doing. But God, is that bad? Like, yeah, it just feels probably just unplayable. Well, the upside of turning it into frost links is at least you can. Bounce, bounce it back it here. And keep doing it. Spend nine mana to Frostlings every turn. <laughs> every other turn, probably. Yeah, more like every other turn. Yeah. And again, we should note that Glacial Crasher skews the numbers here in a pretty big way. Like, blue actually looks beefy if you look at their common power and toughness. Like, 2.38, 2.56, respectively, for a combined power toughness of 4.93. Like, that's basically on par with every other color. Right. And it's actually... It might be the biggest except for green. Green, yeah. Yeah. But... Glacial Crasher is a lot of the reason that's the case. Totally. that's not a card that is playable in every deck. Right. So these numbers are a little, you know, inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Um, The rares in blue are huge. They get an 8-8, so (laughs) that does it. They get the biggest creature in the set. And it's really good, too. Yeah. It's expensive. But, yeah, it's... A game a game ending bomb for sure. That's what eight mana should should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think I'd almost like to see the numbers if you remove the crasher. I kind of wish we had that. I could do that, right, do that. I could do that right now. Right. Just put it at zero. Call it unplayable. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not true, but I just want to look at the number. So it goes down to two and two point five. At common. At common. And the average power for commons plus uncommons goes down to 1.93. So it gets down to white territory. Right. So that feels like more what it's going to actually play like. Um, so that's good to know. Yeah, totally. I'm leaving it in there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's definitely playable. Yeah. 
Uh, black is like the high power, low toughness color of the set. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because we kind of said that black wants to be controlling for the most part. Yeah, but you also said that it can be the Skies deck, right? And uh, yeah. some of those things are evasive, the the high power. A Cursed Spirit is a 3-2. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. That skews it. Um, Carrion Crow is a 2-2, but again, that's an aggressive card. Right. So, yeah, this does, maybe this is just the mid-range color. It's the... And, and maybe for that reason, it is well positioned in the format. We talked about how this is a well, this, this is, is a, a mid range format, mid rangey format, and black has a lot of mid rangey type cards. Yeah, I mean, it does feel so. The format does feel mid rangey, and black does feel that way. But at the same time, if there is an aggressive deck, black feels like it folds. It just can't plague. It, it's just an auto loss, right? assuming you're mono black, which isn't a thing, but yeah, but just like looking at the black cards, they just can't deal with aggression. And, uh, I mean, they have fester gloom. That's it. That's, that's the plan. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Just hope to draw your fester gloom. That doesn't sound good, but you're right. I mean, it's probably not as bad as I think because it does probably pair well with other things. Just because it it fits the the bill or whatever, mostly white I think. Ooh. Yeah, because white shores up black's weaknesses the best. Right. It is worth noting that black has the most unplayable creatures in the set. There are three. Yeah. Um. So that actually drives up the power and toughness numbers here. Like if we included non-playables, black would get a lot worse because you'd throw in black cat, leeching sliver, and wall of limbs. Yeah. All of which have zero or one power. Right. And so that would drive this down pretty pretty quick. Yeah. And we've talked and about a bigger how, butt, which right. would increase the toughness. And we've talked about how Black Hat might actually be playable in some color combinations. Yeah, and I think it probably is. Yeah. Um, I don't want to play it. No, but it's gonna have to be, and it's like a necessary evil, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, red. I counted Borderland Marauder as a three-two. Good. Are you okay with that? <laughs> yes. Okay. The card is not a one-two. You don't don't play it like it's a one-two. Yeah. I wonder if I should have just averaged it and called it a two-two for two. I don't think so. No. Because again, you're, you're thinking about like playing against these cards. Like playing against that card, you got to think about think of it as a three-two. Yeah. What deck is playing this card? A deck that wants to attack with it, and mm-hmm. at that point, it's a three-two. Um, the creatures here are small. Like aside from white, they're the smallest. The uncommons are particularly small. Like, average power and toughness of exactly 2-2 at Uncommon, which is ridiculous. Like, that's a combined power toughness of 4. That is weird. All the other colors are around 5. And that's because the red spells are so good. Right. And, and I mean, red is supposed to be a spell color, right? So, it's not that surprising. Yep. Um, It is also has a bigger, a much bigger power to toughness ratio at the common spot actually more discrepancy than black has although it doesn't have the discrepancy at uncommon yeah what i mean what's driving that i guess borderland marauders part yeah and two ones yeah there's a lot of two ones there's torch fiend there's the altac berserker yeah and the generator generator servant Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, good point and i mean they do have a four three at common they do have a um that miner's bane which is a six three so that's driving it too yeah sure yep uh, but, I mean, not a whole lot to take away from this other than the fact that the uncommons are small. 
but that shouldn't be surprising based upon the power of the burn spells. Right. You're not getting into red for the creatures. No. And that's something to keep in mind is that, I mean, what, what's probably the second worst creature color in the set? Probably black? Maybe blue? Probably black. Uh, yeah, probably black. So red, black, red, blue. Tough little, pairing. A little harder to do. you got to really prioritize creatures. Yeah. And especially red, black. Because like, you, you can... You don't have to worry so much about getting as much removal because you might pick up a Crippling Blight or right. an Ulcerate or uh, Flesh to Dust. And once you have those cards, the the red burn spells kind of go down in value a little bit. Uh, last up, green. Again, I counted Undergrowth Scavenger as a 2-2. That card might just be unplayable. So Yeah. I, and do you feel good about calling that card an unplayable? I'm okay with it. Okay, I'm, gonna ch- <laughs> I'm actually going to change the spreadsheet right now. And see what the numbers come to. So, if anything, it just makes the creatures seem bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it, def- it definitely did, yeah. Yeah, so if we if we ignore that card, and, and again, if you are going to play that card, you want it to be better than a 2-2 anyway. Right, You're, it's going to need to be a 4-4 four, four or bigger yeah, for you to three, want 3-3 three at the very worst. Like, you want a hill giant at least when you cast that card. So, if we consider that card unplayable outside of those niche scenarios then green is huge. The green creatures, as they should be, are very big. Right. And that's fairly standard. Uh, the rares are actually not that big, which no. is kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but I two, guess... two of them are variable. Mm-hmm. There's the Colonian Twin Grove and Genesis Hydra. Those can get big if you put enough mana slash forests into them. Right. Right. But, you know, they might just be four fours. Right. Which is smaller than a Siege Worm. Siege Worm is good. Siege Worm is very that good. That might be the best green comment. I'm talking myself into it. <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I like it. Yeah. I mean, it was it was probably the best green common in the original Ravnica, yeah? Mono green, maybe, yeah. But that set was weird. There were so many multicolored yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk about the artifacts here. We They're actually all very well costed, the creatures. Yeah. Seems pretty even. I think the big takeaway here is that the creatures are generally small. One toughness is a liability. Three toughness and above is good. Power corresponds to those. Right. But as as one toughness is a liability, one power is a... Good. Yeah. Coral, coral barrier. Very playable. Yeah. What are you My doing? dog is losing her mind. Um... Hold on a sec. So I, I think that does it for me on this stuff. Anything else you want to touch on for power and toughness? No, I think that uh, covers it pretty good. We have a low power toughness, and I think it should... I mean, at least this kind of stats should help you understand better why cards like Bronze Sable are actually good in the format instead of unplayable, you know? Yeah, right. and and white cards like Forge Devil are good, right? And that, that, those are kind of obvious examples, like the Forge Devil, Crippling Blight, but a card like Coral Barrier, like that card may not seem good, but then when you look at the ability for it to just deal with two different one toughness dudes, it makes that card pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about removal. All right, I've kind of separated this out like by. What I would call hard removal spells, um, situational slash sideboard removal spells, and tricks. Mm-hmm. And I put quasi-removal in here, but 
Uh, let's touch on that real quick. I listed the two walls, Wall of Essence and Wall of Frost. Uh, counter spells dissipate Statute of Denial. And then the two Death Touch guys, Typhoid Rats and Venom Sliver. Right. And of these, I think the creatures are all highly playable. Mm-hmm. And the counter spells are not so much. No. Um, I Well, I would say that they're possibly unplayable. I think Dissipate's okay. Dissipate's fine. I think Statute Statute's is probably unplayable. unplayable. Yeah. Uh, Dissipate's probably fine uh, to sideboard. Or you could you could main main it in a certain decks, but I think it's mostly going to be in the board, and probably at its best in red blue. Yeah, because that's where you get all the instant burn spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about like the real removal spells, and I've sorted these three different ways in the spreadsheet by color, by converted mana cost, and by rarity. And holy cow, it's a lot of red removal. <laughs> it's just dominating the page yeah yeah it's like twice as much as any other color yeah um some of them are expensive blast fire bolts is not cheap i list goblin kaboomist as a removal spell because it kind of is it's not very good yeah but i mean it it creates something that can kill things uh yes but even like looking at it by rarity like you look at it by color and it's like oh yeah look at that glut of red you look at it by rarity, it still looks like a glut of red. Like, yes. it's just, and it spreads so well, mm-hmm. right? Across all colors. Um, yeah. Seems so good. I can't wait to play Burning Anger. <laughs> <laughs> Card's gonna be absurd. Um, but yeah, the, the removal is pretty expensive, too. If you, let's pretend like red doesn't have spells. <laughs> and you look at the cost of all the removal at common... And you're looking at, I mean, oppressive raise is barely removal, so you're looking at three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, that's it. Not eight. <laughs> Coven, but, Covenant of Blood doesn't really cost seven. No, nah, it's convoke. But yeah, I mean, consider that five to six. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at three, four, five, and six. And if you're not, if you're not playing red, and that's rough. This is another argument for why red is going to be overdrafted. Yeah, it's because. It's the only color with efficient removal. Right. Yeah, even down at Uncommon, you have Ulcerate for efficiency at a, at a different color. I mean, Heat Ray is not even that efficient, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, Devouring Light can be, but it's, again, it's like it forces them to be attacking or blocking. Constricting Sliver costs six mana. One of the things I noticed here is that of the instant speed removal spells you'll see at common, the only one you have to worry about is Lightning Strike. Yeah. Like, Chrono Stutter is an instant, and Blast Fire Bolt is an instant, and well, Flesh, Flesh to Dust, dust but those all cost five or more. Okay. Five or six mana. So as far as, like, playing around stuff in combat goes, Lightning Strike is one of the few things you have to worry about against, you know, all of your red opponents. Totally. But, like, even against a white opponent, like, they're not all going to have Devouring Light. Mm-hmm. And all your black opponents aren't going to have ulcerate. Those are uncommons. Right. So, yeah, I I mean, red is the removal color. I, I think, and I do think for that reason, if you are a black deck with ulcerate, you're in a much better spot. Right. Because that just helps you out in a big way. Yep. Um, I do want to point out, so Stab Wound, as we all know from Return to Ravnica, was the best common in that set. Um it was crazy good because you pop it on something 
you know, medium sized and now it's tiny and they're dying and they can't stop it. Um, in this set, stab wound is closer to three mana. Just kill a small creature. Yes. Because there's just not it, not enough things that you can just dump a stab wound on to drain them of life. So it feels not bad, obviously, but really much worse than we're used to. Right, and I think there are actually more answers to it here. You mm-hmm. have uh, Naturalize and Solemn Offering. Those are, you know, kind of sideboard answers, but Void Snare, Into the Void, uh, Invasive Species, Quickling, Peel from Reality. There's a lot of green stuff that bounces your stuff here. And green is the creature color that would have the hardest time dealing with this. Right. So, yeah, Stab Wound is not as going to be as good as it was before. Yeah, like almost worse than Lightning Strike? Mm, no, I don't think so, because Stab Wound can still just win a game by itself. Like, if you do put it on a 3-3, or, like, even worse, like a Coral Barrier. <laughs> like, just, oh my god, I can't wait to do that. <laughs> like, just, yeah, because you can't even, like, attack in. Like, you don't even have to You don't even have to attack into it, either. You just be like, yep, take two every turn. I'll just like, leave all my guys back as blockers. Until you deal with that Stab Wound, I'm not going anywhere, you know? Yeah. I think that win-the-game type of ability still makes Stab Wound better than a card like Lightning Strike. Okay. I I don't know. Because, I, I think if I see Pack 1, Pick 1, Lightning Strike, Stab Wound, I'm taking Lightning Strike. Maybe partially skewed because of color preference. Color preference, I think, is the only reason you can make that argument. I don't think it's the only one, though. Well, I, think about this. Like Most of the stuff that Lightning Strike kills in this format, Stab Wound is also going to kill. Right. Right? Right. And if it's not killing it, it's Stab doing something Wound is much better. shrinking it and then making them take damage every yes. turn. Yeah, but like, it's for, not for another speed. mana. I don't know. One mana is like is worth and, that and extra. And don't mana. forget that lightning strike also can kill an opponent. True. I don't. I don't know. I think it's worth talking about. No, no. I, I, I think it's a fair argument. I think I would still err towards stab wound at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. time could change that for me. Like, yeah. playing the format more could change my opinion. Another removal spell to talk about after doing the power toughness breakdown is Blast Firebolt. Uh-huh. Six mana, doesn't have Convoke. You know, you're paying six, five damage to a creature. How often is it, re- like, is it almost like sideboard against the green drafter? <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah. Or or against the, you know, the white deck that has the plus two, plus two, and Vigilance Enchantment marked by honor. Yeah. Like, anything that... Yeah, if if you're against a deck that can put out a creature that's too big for Lightning Strike, that's where you want Blast Firebolt. Right, but in the general red deck, sideboard. I think it's yeah, I think it's sitting in the board. I had I had one that I side kept in my sideboard on Monday, and I never brought it in. Never. I was black red too, so like I had plenty of other options. I didn't need it, but yeah, that's a big reason. Um, re- regardless though, like it's just it's too slow for what it does. I think. Right. Especially because the creatures are so small. It's, it's really overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, situational slash sideboard stuff. I do have Crippling Blight, Forge Devil, and Fester Gloom listed here. I think those are all main deckable. Fester Gloom being the corner case there. like But Forge Devil and Crippling Blight, I think if I'm in black or red, I'm playing those cards every time. Yeah. At least to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pillar of Light? Four toughness or more? I think always bored. I think the first copy is okay. Really? Yes. But we just talked about how there's nothing at four or higher. 
But we also talked about how because all the creatures are pretty small, it's easy to like set up board stalls and set up trades to the point where if in your deck it's not a bad call to have one answer to their bomb, you know? Because a card like Lightning Strike won't kill something with four toughness. A card like Hunt the Weak probably won't kill something with four toughness in this format. Like, you're going to need something... Because we've kind of been ignoring rares, you know? Yeah, I mean, but you even look at the rares and they're pretty small. Like, uh, in some of them, I don't know. Average average power and toughness across a set, 3.76, 3.61. Yeah. Like, doesn't hit the four mark. But rounding up, it does. <laughs> true, true. Uh, yeah, I mean... Siege Worm. Siege Worm? Yeah, I, I'm saying green opponent. Hell yeah, I want pillars. See, I'd rather start with one in the board and side it out if I end up playing against the white-red deck. But I feel like it's the white-red deck or the black something deck black red black white i think there's i think it's only good against green and sometimes blue depending on the rares that your opponents have i don't know it feels better in the board not i do think that you'll bring it in probably every every draft for at least one match but I guess I guess my thought process is on average I think out of your 3 matches uh one, you'll more likely to board it in one time than two times. If okay. it, if it hits the 2 mark, then obviously you probably want to main deck it because then it's only bad in one match. But I don't know. I think you'll be able to find targets for it. I think that I would main deck the first copy unless I had like if I had plenty of other removal I wouldn't worry about it. Sure. And I understand that. Sure. But like if you're playing white green or if you're playing white blue, like a card like that, basically if you don't have access to black or red, which is where all the actual removal is. Yeah, you might need it. You might need it. Like you might just okay. need that extra answer. And I think that's why you main deck the first copy because you're not always going to be playing against the green deck, but you're probably going to be able to find at least one target for it in most of your games. Um, and when it seems clear that that's not going to happen, side the fucker out. Yeah. Play with something else. Yeah. And. Yeah. So main deck in certain color combos that won't have access to the better removal, basically. What do you think about Meteorite? I'm starting to get in on it. <laughs> it's uh, It really wants a controlling deck? Sure. Uh, and we talked about how hard it'll be to draft control in the set. Um, so with that in mind, I will play it in my control deck. I will rarely draft the control deck though, so I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna not prioritize it in the draft. I'm gonna get it on the wheel, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, it could be like a you know sixth or seventh pick for me. I think if the pack was not strong and I, you know, yeah, had kind of a controlling start. Yeah. But yeah, I'm curious about that one still. That's the jury's out for me. Yeah, I mean, once you hit five mana, killing something with two toughness is. I mean, because the set's so small, it will have an effect on the board, but not what you want for five, and... Yeah, would you rather just have another two or three drop creature? Probably. Yeah, and getting up to, like, more mana once you're at five doesn't feel that <laughs> no. important. It almost feels like it could say, deal two damage, scry one. <laughs> like, right. that kind of power level of, like, getting an extra mana of any color feels like... 
that's really not powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, we talked about how the, the multicolor deck doesn't exist. Maybe with Meteorite, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what you're playing multicolor for. I don't either. All the removal. <laughs> uh, I list Plummet here. Plummet seems worse than normal. Yeah, there's not that much fly. I mean, blue is lacking the the air guys. You you don't have your air elemental. You don't have your Sarah Angel. No, um, all that stuff is a rare now. Yeah. So against you know the bombs of the format, you can bring that stuff. Yeah, in. and truthfully, you have like a way better card in the spider and green. Yes. So like, if you have a spider, which you probably never need to side implement. Yeah, I mean, I think you still could, but um, well, against the uh, what did we call it? Black blue skies deck the black white skies black white skies deck but even that like some of the skies in there quote unquote are you know intimidate creatures and stuff like that right uh tricks blue and green get all the tricks yeah that's pretty normal right yeah i feel like red and white usually get more yeah so especially white um black only has necrobite and that card's virtually unplayable Red only has Crowd's Favor, which is fringe playable. Yeah, one of the worst. White only gets Sanctified Charge, which is hardly a trick and more of just a... Just an overrun. Yeah, yeah, overrun type effect. And Ephemeral Shields, which is the make something indestructible Convoke card. Yeah. And that's a trick. Like, that's a good card. It can do some work. Yeah, not not as good as maybe previous because... Well, depending on your deck, pretty good in the Convoke deck. Um, But if you're playing white something else with a bunch of small dudes, like making your tutus indestructible to like eat their tutu doesn't feel that powerful. Like Do you think it's better than Ranger's Guile? Yeah, I do. I'm I'm with you. Slightly better. Yeah, just slightly better. But we talked about how Ranger's Guile is probably bad. Probably bad, yeah. So So, so this feels like slightly better than bad. <laughs> And that's fine. Like, you're going to play some of those cards in your decks. Uh-huh. That's how limited works. Uh-huh. But white doesn't get, like, an actual pump spell here, which right. is a little interesting. Right. Yeah, and, like, some of these tricks are not necessarily, like, Void Snare, not really a trick, more also kind of like an overrun type card. Right. Sure. and it, But, I mean, I meant trick in the sense that, like, it's not a permanent solution to anything. Right. Uh, I mean, in that case, it's probably worse than something like Gather Courage, which kind of can act as a removal spell in combat. Like, Void Snare is removal for a token, or removal for an aura that's already on a creature that you're bouncing. Mm-hmm. But how often is that kind of stuff going to come up? I'm not sure. Wait. I'm try- I'm starting to get confused on the difference between Void Snare and Into the Void. Void Snare is the one mana sorcery speed yeah. bounce spell. Okay. okay, okay. Into the Void is the four mana... Bounce two creatures. Sorcery. I was thinking into the void, but they both and do that, a similar thing, right? But I mean that kind of effect. I I consider that more a trick because it only really interacts with combat for one turn. Mm-hmm. That's why I classified them as that. But you're right; they're not really tricks in the classic sense. Right. But they're not really removal either, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, we talked about in our set review polymorphists just feeling like a, another blue wrath. I don't think that's the case here. It's not. Yeah. Because you have so many one toughness things, you can't just like set up sweet blocks and then polymorphs them. Like you're, 
I don't know. It's it's not a one sided wrath, right? Not a, that's, you're probably going to lose a creature or two, right? But with that said, you'll probably save at least one or two of your dudes and hopefully kill all of theirs or like all but one, right? And at that point, like that's no. a, it's still a blowout. I yeah, think. it's not a bad card. I'm just saying it's not as powerful as maybe we originally evaluated it. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Turn to frog similarly, where yes. like if even if you're making their guy into a one one. If all you have is a 2-1 to block, or a 3-1 to block, or something like that, you're not necessarily, like, you're spending two cards to kill one dude. And in some cases, you might have to do that. If you're talking about, like, their bomb creature, yeah. that's fine. But if you're talking about just getting rid of a 3-3, that card, turn to frog, is not always going to do the job you want it to do. Totally. Uh, I listen to Gate here, which maybe should just be listed under quasi-removal. Um, yeah, it's the anti-trick <laughs> yeah exactly i mean it's just like trick to a trick yeah um it does it, it negate does does that feel main deckable in this format i mean i think it does at first copy again not like something i'm excited to main deck but if i'm searching like, for a 23rd card i don't mind so many good spells red has a ton like of good that. spells um it feels like a fairly spell heavy format yeah, and again, because the creatures are small, like having something that can impact a spell, especially something important like a Flesh to Dust or a Cone of Flame or even a Lightning Strike, like, yeah. it's playable, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, green is, is where it really matters here. You get Gather Courage, Titanic Growth. We talked about Ranger's Guile. Uh, Hunter's Ambush, what do you think of this card? We talked about it in the set review a little bit. But prevent all damage to... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, done by non-green creatures. Feels pretty good. Um, I mean, you're gonna eat... It feels good, but is it good? You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like a card that is... Not as good as it could be in this set. Uh, mostly because you might just be eating a bunch of 1-1s that you would have eaten anyway. Right. And, like, saving some damage just a little bit. I don't know, and, and yeah, I think it might be like matchup dependent kind of card, like really good against, well, the other green dra- drafter, I guess. Or, wait, not non green drafters. So it's only it's okay. Not Prevent green. all damage that we did de- would be dealt by like non green creatures. creatures. Yeah, so it's like good against the red drafter, I guess, and mm-hmm. I no, mean, not really the white drafter. Where do you where would you put not really it? Really, the blue or black. Let's do a quick pick a card. Hunter's Ambush or Crowd's Favor? I think they're, uh, yeah. I think they're pretty equal. Okay. Uh, Hunter's Ambush or Ephemeral Shields? I I guess I'll take the Ambush? I think I'd take the Shields. You think so? Yeah. Because it's good against, like, opposing removal. It's a little more flexible. Mm -hmm. Like, because the Hunter's Ambush is so combat-oriented. Yeah. Like... The nice thing about a Titanic Growth or Ephemeral Shields is that you can use it in combat to win combat, but you can also use it just to protect your dudes from removal. Sure. Hunter's Ambush costs more than both of those cards and doesn't do either one. Right. Yeah. With that it said... a little too expensive. Team Sealed? Mono Green? Maybe? Team Sealed Mono Green. Or just Heavy Green. Like I think that card could go up in value. Store that one away for Portland. Yeah. No, that could be decent... Um, still probably not super powerful though. 
No. Still probably... But, but playable, but and playable. more playable than it would be in a, just right. an eight-man draft. Totally. Uh, so that does it for the removal. Yeah, all we got left is one more tab, really. Yep. Synergy cards. Now, basically we're kind of looking at, you know, some of the synergies they built into the format, some cards that are looking for specific help. So to start off, let's just get into the Artifacts Matter sub-theme. Aeronaut Tinker, Chief Engineer, and Soul Artifact. Uh, some rares and red, Scrapyard Mongrel, Shrapnel Blast. Alright, time to talk about <laughs> these, like, really high variance cards. Um, well, obviously some of them. Aeronaut Tinker, fine card without an artifact, fine card with an artifact. Scrapyard Mongol's the same. Yeah. So these cards are, like, you know, who cares about artifacts, really? It's just, like, nice icing on the cake. Now, moving on to Soul Artifact Shrapnel Blast, these are the uncommons. Yes. First, the commons are like, oh, like, crazy absurd effect. Like... Does nothing without an artifact. Yeah, literally can't be played without yeah. an artifact. They sound like big traps to me. And I, like, pretty much your... So within Soul Artifact, you're looking for the, like, crazy start of, like, Hot Soup and Soul Artifact or something. Ornithopter and Soul Artifact. Well, let's, let's not talk about unplayables, but... Well, honestly, though, if, if in Soul Artifact is going to be playable, I think you're going to have to run terrible cards like Ornithopter. Well, you or you could run terrible cards like Darksteel Citadel, which is much more doable. Right, but the Citadel's an uncommon to go... It's like, then you're talking about pairing an uncommon with an uncommon. Is it uncommon? Yes. Oh, wow. Like, of the complementary cards here on the spreadsheet, only Bronze Sable and Woolforged Golem are commons. And Ornithopter is a common. All these other artifacts listed as playable are uncommons. <laughs> like, jug- and, and it's like, do you really want to turn your spend a card to turn your Woolforged Golem, your Juggernaut, Juggernaut or Gargoyle Sentinel into a 5-5? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Like, I don't want to spend two mana and a card to do that. That's fucking terrible. Like, they're already right. good enough. Right. Like, I think Shrapnel Blast is more my speed. Like, I could talk myself into that card if I had, you know, say, four or five artifacts in my deck. But, yeah. I mean, Red's removal is already good enough. Yeah, you don't, I don't need, need that, card. that. Yeah, you really don't. If you're just looking for a five to the face, we do have Lava Axe. Yeah, Lava Axe is in the set. Yeah, I, and uh, the the thing, like, back on and Soul Artifact is, I, I think it's probably in the set just as a skill tester kind of thing where the cards look like they're there i mean so i said mentioned dark steel citadel dark steel citadel and soul artifact that's five five indestructible yeah on turn two maybe the only thing that's beating that is enchantment removal yeah or or a five five indestructible haste on turn three like yes just some crazy insane powerful thing that yeah like you you might see that happen in a draft and be like, holy crap, like, that's the deck. But both uncommon, like Greg said, and just, like, these things are, they're pipe dreams, you know? And the reason that it could work is because they're pipe dreams. Right. You know? If people try to draft this, and some people will, yeah. you know? It sounds fun. Right. Some people are going to see that, you know, in Soul Artifact, 
in the pack with a Darksteel Citadel. And they'll first pick the Citadel and be like, okay, I'm going to wield this in Soul Artifact. But if someone else at the table had the same thought, you know, you just first picked a Darksteel Citadel, and the Insole Artifact might not make it back. <laughs> right? I think you'd probably do it the other way around, right? I don't know. Yeah, That's I don't what I'm know saying. No, neither way sounds good to me. No, they don't. You're taking two bad cards. Yes. <laughs> instead of, like, actual good cards. How, how, what do you think the number is? Like, one in ten drafts, this might be possible. One in fifty, one in twenty, one in a hundred? Like, how often do you think a good version of this deck can come together? Because I think it's probably, like, one in fifty. Yeah, one in thirty, one in fifty, something like that. Yeah, it just and you have to be actively to be, looking for it to be a consist to be a deck that wins a draft. Yeah, to be a deck that can win a draft, like crazy high variance deck. I mean, it could happen probably one every. I, I still think it's like one every thirty drafts. Nah, I think it could happen like one every ten. Like if any draft, if you're forcing it every time. If any sure. draft has two in soul artifacts, like all of a sudden. That deck could possibly steal wins, maybe. I mean... Yeah, but then you have to draft cards like Ornithopter and the staff. Yes, absolutely. I'm saying crazy high-variance bad decks that aren't going to 3-0, but could, if they got lucky, might 0-3 if they get get, unlucky. They'd have to get really lucky. And that's the thing, is the luck swings both ways. I'm not not condoning it. So, um, in my one auction draft I did with my cousins, uh, my cousin Jared, he was paying... Not really paying a lot, paying very little for all the Darksteel Citadels that were coming up. He'd buy each one, right? Okay. Because he's, like, he was in blue, and he's like, well, if I have, like... He ended up with... <laughs> I think we had three or four Darksteel Citadels. I didn't realize it was uncommon. Um, but he had a bunch of Darksteel Citadels, and if he hadn't gotten one in Soul Artifact in that draft, it would have been playable. Yeah. But he didn't. <laughs> it never came. There you go. So, I mean... They're, that's the reason. It's yeah. like because they're both uncommon. Like you're not gonna. The times when you the cards are all opened up enough for for it to work, you have to be looking for it. Which honestly, if you're a good drafter, you probably aren't even looking for it because you know that it's a fringe strategy at best. Right. And yeah, I I don't know. I just think that's a total trap. I think if you again, if you want to draft Scrapyard Mongrels and Aeronaut Tinkerers. A little bit higher than everybody else, and because you also are going to prioritize Woolforge Golems and Juggernauts and stuff, that's fine. That I think that's could a, maybe work. Yeah, I think that's a fine strategy. Like, because those cards are playable anyway, and yeah, and they become good when right. And the and the problem is is that they're fine in other decks that don't care about artifacts at all. Right. So, like, even if you first pick that Juggernaut, that Aeronaut Tinker might just get scooped up by a Blue Drafter before that it can make it back to you. Three, yeah. Right. But, I don't know. I think the the jury is pretty much in on that. Artifact deck is not a thing. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before, but um, blue, green, uh, return, permanence you control to your hand type effects. Mm-hmm. And I looked up like what you could pair that with, uh, creatures with enter the battlefield effects. They're mostly blue and green. Right. Uh, common... Of the commons, there's one white card that has an ETB effect, one black card, one red card, three blue cards, three green cards. So it's a self-fulfilling kind of deck. Yeah. Um, white, you get a few more like quasi-synergies, Constricting Sliver, Tireless Missionaries, Midnight Guard, but like, come on, that's not a deck you want to play. Right. Um, the, and the thing is with this deck is it's very much like, it'll probably be the slowest deck in the format. 
it, it, like slower than a control deck almost because it almost is a control deck. It's totally a control deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just grinding out advantage by replaying its stuff. Replaying Coral Barriers. It's Shaman of Spring. Yeah, Living Totems. Yeah. It's just trying to get the cards on you and then hoping, or not hoping, getting there if, right. it, if it lasts or whatever, if it gets to the end game. Now, the nice thing about it is that that part of it is grindy, but if you're doing it with an invasive species or a quickling or a roaring primadox, you have a body that comes into play and impacts the board while you're spending time and mana to replay these ETB creatures. Totally, yeah. So Then it becomes much more just, like... It's a synergy. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. So I think that's that, that seems like a real deck to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you just look at this here. Like, look at how many cards work in the synergy. There's a shitload. There's like ten or more. Reclamation Sage, eat it, artifact deck. <laughs> but yeah, and the other nice thing about this is that you don't need to go in on this if you're blue green, but you might incidentally just get this value. Yeah, I <laughs> like how you list Necrogen Scudder, Nonbow, Nonbow. <laughs> It's like the, the big like fucking moron who drafts the, the like bounce my stuff deck and was like picking up all the necrogen scudders. It's like yeah, man, I got three roaring primadoxes and two necrogen scudders. <laughs> Let's do. Let's this. dance. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, next up is a quick one. Preeminent captain uh, cares about soldiers. There don't, are don't do there are six soldiers. They're all at common. Uh, but none of them are that powerful. Yeah, you don't really want to be cheating in a Dauntless River Marshal into play that often. <laughs> no. You know? You can pay your mana for those. Right. Or even a Paragon of New Dawns. I just want to, like, ship my 2-2 Paragon in there. It's like, here, you want to block this? Sure, thanks. <laughs> I'll eat that. Yeah. It's like, shit. Just play it and don't attack with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't think... I think if you just draft that guy as a... 2-2 two, two first strike for 3. I like how you list preeminent... You could bring in a preeminent captain with your preeminent captain. Hey, value. <laughs> Wait, does it is that an info loop? No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> like I have oh, so oh, many of them. It's all of the captains. Um, all right. So next life gain for two commons. <laughs> a Johnny's no. prime mate. Oh no, a Johnny's prime mate is an uncommon. uncommon. I actually think Wall of Limbs is too. <laughs> Don't but do it, people. Actually, actually, I think the pride mate is good. I think the pride mate. Well, you can go he's incidentally good because he's good just without getting. Any bonuses. Right, but in I, here's what I'm going to say. The black-white deck does have a few ways to gain life. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you know, build that deck, I think it can be done. Like, you can get Divine Favors, uh, Soul Mender, the Pegasus seems really good with it, yeah. um, Child of Night. Uh, a Johnny. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just a Johnny Steadfast, no big deal. You pick those up easy, right? Right. But I'm wondering if you, like, let's say you end up with two of Johnny's Pride Mates. Like, Ooh, that's nice. Does Soul Mender become playable at that point? No. <laughs> How many of Johnny's Pride Mates would it take for you to play a Soul Mender? Three? Probably three, yeah. I'd, I'd probably shove in one Soul Mender for that. What if you had a two of Johnny's Pride Mates and a Grave Digger? To get back your Johnny's Pride Mate. Man, what are we, yeah. We're going deep. Are you in? I'm out. <laughs> I might be in. All right. I don't know. But, I mean, and there are some more... I mean, it would be fun. I'd probably do it for fun, but I I wouldn't do it because I think it's a winning combination. Right. And I list Wall of Limbs here, but that card is just garbage. Yeah, I don't. So, uh, White-Red Auras is up next. Uh, Broodkeeper, Heliod's Pilgrim, and Boomweaver Giant. Basically cards that 
like Broodkeeper wants auras put on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the giant and the pilgrim can go search up auras. Right. Um, it's white red if you're going to do it. Right. Yeah, you get Divine Favor, Mark by Honor, uh, Spectre Ward at rare, uh, and Burning Anger also at rare, and then Hammer Hand and Inferno Fist at common and red. Yeah. So I've actually, like, I was skeptical about the Broodkeeper. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, it, it's like, there. If you get one activation of it, you've recouped your aura card. If you get two, you're doing just fine. Yeah, you're winning. <laughs> yeah, you are winning the game. Um, yeah. So I think that's an actual archetype, is white-red auras. I, um, contingent on uncommon. On uncommon. Right. Well, I, I also just think that the Pilgrim, to go search up, like, again, if you end up with a Spectral Ward, with a Burning Anger, or even a yeah. March by Honor. I guess I wouldn't call it an archetype, I would call it a like an incidental synergy. Okay, in the, that's fair in the color combo. Yeah, but it, but that's like the you're, color not, combo you're not you're not building around like all of these enchantments in your deck or anything. You're just like the all of a sudden like pilgrim becomes a playable card or yeah. things like that. I think pilgrim is sneaky playable in black white because you can go get a caustic tar or a stab wound with it. True. If you end up with one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Warden of the Beyond is the next card we want to look at. This is that 2-2 two, two Vigilance that gets plus 2 plus 2 if there's a card in exile. <laughs> Let's build around this card. <laughs> and the point here is that it's really hard to build around. <laughs> Most of the things that exile are rares or mythics. Like all the souls. There's Chandra. There's Hoarding Dragon. Like of the common and uncommon ways to to get this guy turned on, there aren't that many. So I did have a hilarious interaction with my cousin Jonah where I'm like, on my turn I go like, restock, get back my like, lightning strike and something else. On his turn he goes, play a 4-4 Vigilance for 3. <laughs> Thanks buddy. Eat it, Jeff. <laughs> it's like, oh, lightning strike. I'm not doing anything now. Yeah, so like the preeminent captain, this guy's a 2-2 for 3. Yeah. Alright, Jeff. The Ryan Hogan special. Yep. We got the self-mill. Uh, ugh. Ugh. It's ugly. Uh, you list two blue cards there for self-mill. Mind Sculpt and Jace. I, like I said, I went deep. Like um, I, I wanted to look at all possible interactions. I don't think you can draft blue with this deck. You can't. No, and that's <laughs> that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Is that even if you like want to mill yourself and you have a Jace or a Mind Sculpt, you're like, oh, okay, these cards I can mill myself with. Then you look at, like, the complementary cards to go with it, and there just aren't any in blue. Right. Yeah, I think, uh... Yeah, I mean, you said Ryan drafted this deck, and what What did he do? How did he do? You know? He did not win the draft. Well, yes. I... Did he Did he win two rounds? I don't know. He might have won one. Okay. He might that, have won Because that's what this deck feels like. Like a 1-2... It feels like a 1-2. Maybe an 0-3. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that, again, if, if you look at it more as incidental value, like if you're already going to play some Seder Wayfinders, like right. the problem is, Gravedigger goes up in value. Right. The problem is, like, when you start playing Necromancer's Assistants in your deck that really doesn't want them, that just for the mill, you know, is when yeah. it's starting to look ugly. It's bad. Yeah. So, or or playing the Scavenger when, like, I don't know, when... It, I just don't think it's good. <laughs> no, it seems bad. Yeah. But I wanted to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Fringe of best. Also love the, all the souls listed for the synergy there. 
Yeah, it's like, I want to mill this away, so I can exile it. It's like, well, I, draft, I drafted three souls, so <laughs> I guess I should do self-mill, right? Sounds good to me. It's like, I got two souls Endicar and a soul Innistrad. I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to do ramp. Let's just get him into the graveyard. What if you, like, ended up with, <laughs> with like, some incidental off-color souls, like the white one and the red one? Just fucking jam it. And, and at that point, like, <laughs> if you if you have, like, the Seder Wayfinders and screw it, try to play a reanimator deck. Like, just force the issue. Like, three-color reanimator. Well, no, you're not even trying to cast it. Just trying to cast Endless Obedience to oh, get those I cards see, back. Or at least, like, Fixture Man well, you a want to be bit. able to use the ability. Okay. Verdant Haven. Up the pick order. Yeah. Climbing. Yeah, but even the Wayfinder gets you there. Yeah, so like, <laughs> if you really want to go deep, this is this just draft like forcing the, the issue just right draft, here. Draft three souls because that'll happen, right? That people can pass those to you all the time. This sounds like a forcing the issue right here. Yeah, just sounds... endless obedience, self mill. Sounds yeah. fucking beautiful. Sounds really, really <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah. All right. So don't draft that one. Last up is another one you probably shouldn't draft. This is goblins wow. uh, based upon the goblin rabble master. I like how he's a. Both a like goblin lord and a goblin like fuck over your goblins. Guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like he makes my goblins worse but better. It's like, but I get more goblins <laughs> that are also worse yeah. as I stroke my beard. I do think he's playable. Oh, totally. I, I like he's he's a, a token generator and he's good at that. Um, if you have a bunch of goblins in your deck, you actually think you might go down in value. Yeah, like even, do you want to play this with rummaging goblin or? Frenzied Goblin or Foundry Street Denizen? No. No. Like, no. You don't want those in play when he's in play, which is funny because he gets bonuses for them. Yeah. But you're not attacking with him. He's just there to generate guys every turn. Krenko's Enforcer is the closest you get because he has evasion. Right. So you're like, okay, this is this is the deck. But both guys cost three mana. Like, It's not. It's very clunky it's and bad. It's not really a synergy. It's just kind of like, okay, I have these two cards and they happen to do some things that are right. you know, okay. Yeah. But the card is good. I mean, it makes one ones. One ones matter. So. Yeah, one ones that have to attack every yeah. turn. I mean, they're coming in at them every turn, but it can it can force them to hold things back and stuff. And some of the stuff you can't hold back because it's one toughness. So overall, not a whole lot of synergies in this set. No, feels pretty uh, corsetty. Yeah, can I say it's a bit surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, I I don't want to say like synergy is dead here, but like the synergy is more of kind of that and we didn't mention convoke by the way True. Which we've talked about a and lot. again but it, that's like i almost don't consider those synergies anymore because it's just like it's the one keyword in the set so it's like here's a deck right like and that's straightforward and that's the kind of synergy you got to look for is like the power and toughness synergy is like the fact that one toughness sucks so things that deal with one toughness creatures are good like mm-hmm. that's not a synergy that's just like reading the format right but you're right convoke is totally synergistic yeah and yeah we've talked about that at length yes um i don't really think there's anything we missed though as far as like cards that want to be built around i think we're pretty much experts at the format now yeah (laughs) this helps me to be honest with you oh i I love doing this shit yeah this really like it after reading the spreadsheet it definitely became more of a kind of an eye-opening like thing like understanding the format i really feel way more comfortable with it without playing it i mean i played it once but yeah yeah 
So, I mean, general thoughts? Any last kind of impressions you want to give about the set? Uh, uh, <laughs> maybe? It doesn't have to be from the spreadsheet. Yeah, I'm just, just look, like... looking at... I guess, well, I do. I did want to mention the aggro thing. Like, we talked about how it's mostly a mid-range uh, set, which most core sets are that way. The one that where the keyword was... Uh, Bloodthirst. Bloodthirst, it was not that way. Yeah, black-red <laughs> aggro was the way to be. But but usually it is that way, that aggro isn't really a thing, and, like, grizzly bears are pretty weak. This set, I feel, is different in that... Not that aggro is, like, the end-all, be-all, but that it is a legitimate strategy that will win drafts. Um, yeah. And mostly swarm aggro. Well, there's enough support, especially in white, with... Um... Sanctified Charge, Selfless Cathar. Yeah. The, the other thing that is nice about aggro here is that while it may not be as good as like it has been in a, a set like Zendikar or whatever, mm-hmm. there are ways you can like leverage your no longer useful a- aggro creatures into advantage, namely Convoke. Yeah. You know, and just be like, okay, this one one or this two two isn't doing anything anymore. I'll use it to power out this big spell. I'll Covenant of Blood, or I'll play Siege Worm. Yeah. Or triplicate spirits. You know, like, these cards are sitting there waiting for you to, to power them out. And if you don't have to do that because your creatures are getting in already, that's fine. Like, you're winning anyway. Yeah. You could totally be, like, white-green aggro with, like, two siege worms in your deck. <laughs> and it would be awesome. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's a little harder to draft, probably, because green's not really based on... I mean, it's the aggro isn't really there for green, but it, it's... I mean, Runeclaw Bear is totally fine and totally good in an aggro strategy, I think. Well, there are other cards, too. Like, the Invasive Species is super aggressively costed. Like, a 3-3 for 3 is actually very good in this format. It sets you back on tempo, but if you're recouping that tempo loss by being able to convoke with it later, yeah, you can play that style of deck where it's like, I'm going to play the aggro control strategy or aggro slash midrange, where yeah. I, I try to get in as much early damage as I can in the beginning of the game, so that if that ever stalls out, I can just, you know, kind of switch gears into, okay, now I'm going to play Big Fatties, or now I'm going to play a bunch of 1-1 Flyers. Right. And don't forget that, like, Titanic growth as a 2-mana burn for. Yeah. It's pretty absurd. It's the cheapest Lava Axe in the format. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that, like, aggro is better here than in most core sets, but at the same time, like, it is only really in... Colors. A couple colors. I mean, basically, I mean, red, it's doable. It's, it's doable in any color combination that doesn't involve black. I think. Yeah. And even then, like black white can kind of do it. Black red can kind of do it if you skew like to enough two drops. To if you're heavy red. Right. And and blue is also a little suspect on the aggro plan, but they do have Welkin turn. They do have frost link, so the support is there. It's just you know the the meat of the plan is not necessarily there. Yep. I don't know. I, I'm I'm stoked to play this more now. Yeah. Mostly because we've put in the work. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's put this work to work and like win some drafts. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that does it. Yeah. Let's wrap things up. If you want to contact us, eastwestdraftcast at gmail You can search us up on Facebook. You can hit me up on Twitter at EWDraftCast. Jeff is on there at JeffEWDC. We have a website, eastwestdraftcast.com. And that's about it. 
Yep. You can look us up on Facebook. Did you say that? I did. Well, there it is again, people. You can still look us up on yeah. Facebook. Whenever you start the outro stuff, like, my brain just turns off. Like, like, and I'm done He's going to say the same thing every time, and then I get back, and I'm like, wait, did he forget that thing? I'm going to change the Twitter handle or something just to, like, curveball you. Mess with me? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Draftcast out. Draftcast out.